Come on, guys. Looks like a dead end. Let's head back, huh? They must have been the coffins around here someplace. There's nothing here. Let's go, guys. Huh? Jesus! Ah! 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 I thought there was supposed to be in coffins. That's what this cave is. It's one giant coffin. Right now, they're at the most vulnerable. Easy pickings. Remember, you just have to kill a leader, huh? We don't know which one the leader is. I guess we'll just have to kill them all. We'll start with the little one. First come, first staked. What was that? A little vampire humor? It wasn't funny. No, don't even. Good night, blood sucker. No! of the Movie Clinic Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sherry, and this is my husband, David. On this episode, we will cover the 1987 film, The Lost Boys. Um, I guess we'll go first to our histories. Yes. Um, do you want me to go first? You or go do ahead. You want to go? Yeah. Well, my first viewing of this was during its uh, theatrical run. I remember going to see this film opening night. I remember this was a pretty big deal. I do have a very vivid memory of that because everybody in school was talking about this movie. There was previews for it on TV, and we were all pumped to go see it. And then, of course, going to the theater that Friday night, everybody I knew, or most people I knew from school anyway, were there to see the movie. And naturally, the group consensus after the film was over, we all loved it. I mean, it just got raves across the board from everybody. And as a matter of fact, I remember going to see it again that following Saturday afternoon with a few of my friends. This is just a film that I've loved over the years. It's like one of my favorite vampire movies. I love the look of this movie. And I guess I was I was the right age for this movie when it came out. I remember I, owned, I had a Lost Boys poster on my wall in my bedroom. I had the novelization for years that unfortunately went... And just fell apart on me and is no longer around. You're not going to get a bad review from me on this movie. I'll just go ahead and tip my hand early on. But that's pretty much my uh, feelings on this. And I'll pass it over to you. Um, I guess I was seven. When this came. Yeah, probably about right. Or nine. Nine. Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. So you were nine. nine. Yeah. Um, I saw it on VHS. My sister probably rented it. Mm-hmm. Um, she was probably just getting into a lot of the, like, vampire horror stuff. We watched this a lot. 
Like I just, it's one of my favorite vampire movies yeah. ever because it's so unique. It's got their own like touch on what their vampires are. Yeah, I'm gonna get into that with the, when we hit the behind the scenes trivia yeah. stuff. Because you know? they have their own just take of everything with vampires. I loved it. It's it's one of my favorite movies ever. I can't disagree with that. I mean, it's like I said, it, it amazes me the popularity this film still has now. So this is one, I guess you owned it on video for mm-hmm. years and yep. everything else. And Now, did you, I guess we can get into this really quickly now. What did you think of the sequels? I never movie? saw, how many of them have there been? Two. I saw one of them and I don't like it. Uh, yeah, there was one called The Tribe. That's the one I saw. And then there was another one that I can't remember the subtitle to it. And they're remaking it again. Yeah, they was actually talking about doing a TV show. Yeah, and the the little kids they chose for it are, well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. I wasn't a huge fan of the sequels either. I didn't really like the second sequel. The mm-hmm. third one I thought was okay. It wasn't great. But it wasn't terrible either. It was just, it was fine for what it was. I really think, I just wish they would leave things alone and just, just get, get their own ideas and do their own. By this, they just don't have any creativity, I guess, nowadays. Yeah. I mean, that's just a sad part about it. But those sequels were kind of just straight to video video. kind of thrown together Mm -hmm. things that, yeah. But I mean, like I said, I'll give the third one credit. At least it's enjoyable and it's watchable. So is that uh, all you got on your first one? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we will drop the trailer here and then come back with the cast and crew and the plot synopsis. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No, it's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. When you So where are you? The flying nun! I'm your brother, Sammy. Help me! Stay back! Stay back! What's happening to me, Star? Get yourself a good, sharp stink. Drive it right through his heart. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a damn blood-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. When a vampire buys it, it's never a pretty sight. I guess we're going to jump in right here with uh, director Joel Schumacher. And he is known for films such as DC Cab, St. Elmo's Fire, Flatliners, Batman Forever, and the dreadful Batman and Robin. And also he directed a film I really enjoy called Falling Down. The one, you remember that one with mm-hmm. uh, Michael Douglas? Yeah. In it. And also he did a film that's very underrated to me called Phone Booth with Colin Farrell. Yeah. And I, I, I really that. liked that. Phantom of the Opera, 2004. Yeah, that's right. He directed that one too. I mean, mm-hmm. his uh, directing credits are extremely vast. I mean, I haven't liked all of his movies, but overall I always felt that he was a very solid director. No, look, I'm only looking the best of NXS. Video documentary, Devil Inside. Yeah, yeah. In 2004. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
Yeah, and he just passed away not too long 2020. ago. Yeah, that's what I thought. I knew it was within the past couple of years, but it's like I said, I've always enjoyed, you know, his movies for the most part. Like I said, he's had some stinkers here and there, but for the most part, his films have been pretty solid. Then uh, next we have uh, Jason Patrick as uh, Michael. Now, he's appeared in such films as After Dark, My Sweet, uh, Rush, Sleepers, and The Awful Speed 2. I loved Rush. I loved that movie. Yeah, I haven't watched that in a long time, but it's really it was, good. It was pretty rough in parts. Yeah, but... it was. He appeared in another film called Narc, and he's done some TV work. Very little, I think, he appeared in the show Entourage and Wayward Pines. But I think, as far as I know, he's still working today he's, pretty steady. He's working on the detective TV series right now, Mysterious Killer. He's the pilot, and he's doing Max. He plays John post-production. Oh, okay. So he's still yeah, got he's stuff still coming out. Yeah, I mean, as I said, he's, he hasn't really, if you really think about his career, he hasn't appeared in a whole lot of films, but he's appeared in some pretty interesting movies. And, uh, okay, next we go to Corey Haim as Sam. And he's been in such films as uh, Silver Bullet, uh, Lucas, License to Drive, which is a personal favorite of mine. And uh, Dream a Little Dream, which is a personal favorite of Sherry's. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and he's appeared in uh, TV, such as a TV show called Roomies, which I remember from oh, when yes. I was a kid. Yes. And, uh, and another show License called... License to Drive. Yeah, Edison Twins. Edison. Yeah, License to Drive down here. He, I mean, he, he had a pretty good career going on uh, there for a number of years. And then I think once his drug stuff mm-hmm. kind of hit really bad, he... Yeah. Uh, Things started to fall off for him. But he passed away in 2010 at the age of 38 years old, which is very yeah, sad to be that young sad. and pass away mm-hmm. like that. And I think I don't think it was drug-related. I think it was the damage done by drugs. Yeah. As a heart. Yeah, that's why it seemed like I remember he got that like... pneumonia or something. He got like a, a case of pneumonia, and it yeah. was just his body was so weak it couldn't fight he it couldn't or fight something. It, yeah. yeah. But like I said, that was a sad day to hear that he that passed away. That was a blow. Away. I love me some... The Corys were my thing. Yeah. Um, and I remember... I never did watch this show, but they did this show called The Two Corys with mm-hmm. both of them. And there was some behind-the-scenes stuff where it showed Corey Haim working on the Lost Boys 2 thing, and he was mm-hmm. kind of bad on drugs at the yeah. time, and it did not go well. He was... Yeah. He had the problem with the drugs, but he's not like, he wasn't so much of a train wreck as Corey Feldman. Feldman. He's just weird. Well, Feldman is just weird. Yeah, he's I mean, just, I, something's weird about him. Yeah, well, he got weirder, particularly as he got older. I don't know if that's a common thing or not. <laughs> but, uh, and next we have uh, Diane Weist as uh, Mrs. Emerson. I think her name is uh, Lucy Emerson. Yeah, it is. And she's appeared in such films as The Birdcage, Hannah and Her Sisters, Edward Scissorhands, and The Mule. And she's been in TV shows such as The Blacklist, uh, In Treatment, and Law and Order. And as a matter of fact, I think right before this film, she actually won an Academy Award for a Woody Allen film. It might have been Hannah and Her Sisters. Yeah. I can't remember, but I remember she was just literally coming off of that. And Joel Schumacher was surprised he got her because she literally just... Mm-hmm. Won an Academy Award, but she seemed game to do the movie. So. She's in the Footloose. I loved her in Parenthood. Do you remember in Parenthood? I haven't seen Parenthood in years. She uh, was um like a single mother. Yeah. Was it uh, Leaf Garrett or the youngest Garrett? He was her son. He was so screwed up in that. 
Yeah, I don't remember. It's been so long since I watched that movie. I have very vague memories of it. I don't remember disliking it. I just I have vague memories of it. And next we have uh, Bernard Hughes as a grandpa. I guess Grandpa Emerson. <laughs> and he's appeared in such films as Tron, Sister Act 2, Doc Hollywood, and uh, Sisters. And he appeared in such TV shows as uh, Cannon, All in the Family, and Love Boat, and Blossom. And he passed away in 2006 at the age of 90. You know, he lived a pretty good, solid life. And I just wrote down just bare amount of credits because he had a lot of 106. Them. Yeah. He was in Tron. Yeah. That's what, uh, yeah. I know he was in the original Tron, which I don't remember him in that movie. But, of course, I haven't watched that in a while. And the next we have is Edward Herman as Max. And he's been in such films as Overboard, uh, Annie, The Aviator, TV, such as Oz and Gilmore Girls, 30 Rock, Law and Order. And he passed away in 2014 at age 71. And I do remember actually on the news when mm-hmm. they announced that he passed on. And uh, next here I have Kiefer Sutherland as David. Now, he's been in many films such as Stand By Me, which is, I think, the film he was finished right before he went into this one. A uh, Few Good Men, Young Guns, and Mirrors. And he also is in TV in one of my favorite TV shows ever, 24, uh, Designated Survivor, and Touch. And he's going to play the Franklin Roosevelt in 2022. Yeah, I think I heard about that. Um, I read about that not too long ago. I mean, he's still got, I mean, he's mm-hmm. still working pretty steady now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think as a matter of fact, as of this recording, they're talking about trying to do another series of 24 with him in it. I mean, like I said, he just, he seemed like he's a guy he isn't afraid of working. And next we have uh, Jamie Gertz as Star. And she's been in such films as 16 Candles, Twister, Less Than Zero, and Quicksilver. And she appeared in TV shows such as Family Ties, Facts of Life, and Square Pegs. I don't remember. I used to watch Square Pegs when I was a kid, and I don't really remember her in that show. But maybe she was so young that it just doesn't uh, <laughs> register with me. She was in Twister. Yeah. Wasn't she the... Um, fiance. Yeah, the very uptight Uptight, yeah. yeah. Really, he really wasn't being fair to her. No, no, he wasn't. Yeah, that's what I was kind of gathering, too. I mean, I haven't watched Twister in years. I don't really... I, that's the only thing I remember. It seems like I remember she was the uptight one in that movie. And uh, next we have uh, Corey Feldman as Edgar Frog. And we've uh, talked about him in a previous episode of The Burbs. But, yeah, he's, of course, been in Gremlins, Goonies. Like I said, Sherry's favorite film, Dream a Little Dream. Friday And Friday the 13th, Part 4. Mm-hmm. And he's appeared in TV, such as Tales from the Crypt, Sliders... Crow, I guess the Crow TV series. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. And a Son of the Beach. And, of course, he's still working fairly steady today. Not in really worthwhile stuff, I wouldn't guess, but he's still working today in some regard. And then we have uh, Jameson Newlander as Alan Frog. And he's appeared in you know such films as Waking Nightmare, and I think he was in The Blob 1988, and Bone Tomahawk. And he appeared in a TV show called Valerie. I guess that's the Valerie Harper TV mm-hmm. series. Yeah, I didn't really remember him in that. And I used to watch that all the time. So, And next, uh, we go into Billy Worth as Dwayne. And he's been in such films as Body Snatchers, Boys on the Side, and Last Lives. And he appeared in TV shows such as Wise Guy, Equalizer, and Tales from the Crypt. He's Native American. He did a lot of Native American movies at time. 
Yeah. What was that movie he did that I loved? You can go online looking for it. Okay. And um, next we go to Alex Winter as Marco. And he's been in such films as Death Wish 3. And, of course, everybody knows him from the Bill and Ted series. War Party. Oh, he was in that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Billy Worth. Let's see. Alex Winter also appeared in the movie Freaked, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. And uh, he's been in TV such as Equalizer and Bones. And my final cast member here is Brooke McCarter, and he played Paul. And he was in the movies such as Thrashing and Wired, and TV shows such as Twilight Zone 1980. And he only really had 10 credits to his name, so I guess he didn't stick around in the acting game very long. And mm-hmm. he passed away in 2015 at age 52. I was on the Lost Boys page and I saw when that he you, died. Do you remember what he passed away from? No. It was say in here. Yeah, right? I can't recall either. I do remember hearing about that at the time. I wanted to say it was uh, some kind of, I mean, maybe something like Corey Hain passed away, like uh, pneumonia or something, but I cannot remember for mm-hmm. life of me. It was either that or some kind of kidney-related thing. But is is that all you uh, have? You want to add anything as nope. far as cast and crew? Well, what's the little boy Laddie? Oh, I didn't have him down. Chance Michael Corbett. Cute little boy. He only did 20. He's only 20. 20 more. credits. Oh, Hallow's wow. Eve. 2013 was his last movie. Oh, okay. Marilyn Hotchkiss Ballroom Dancing and Charm School. Baywatch. Hmm. He was on that for three years. Well, of course, I never watched Baywatch. Like so. Kyle. Lethal Ninja. The Rocketeer. Kid Boxer 2, Kickboxer 2, Out of This World TV series, The Giant of Thunder Mountain, Major Dad, First and Ten, Kids Incorporated, Cold Heat, The New Lassie, Out on the Edge, Beauty and the Beast, Pumpkinhead. I only recognize some of that stuff. I don't even remember him in Pumpkinhead. Lost Boys was his very first. Well, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, because... Hell, he was like very young. He don't seem like he had a lot of dialogue in a movie, of course. But no. But yeah, some of that I recognize, some of it I didn't. So, but uh, is there anything else on the nope. casting crew? That's it. Okay, I guess we will go into the uh, plot synopsis of this one. And uh, do you want to lead in, or do you want me to? I can lead in. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, we start out with like I'm using a screenplay, so you'll just have to back me up. Oh, okay. We start out kind of like in a. POV of like maybe something flying over a like a boardwalk pavilion. Yeah, they're like going across the I guess the water, the ocean. Yeah. And um, this is the Santa 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 Carla, Car- Santa Carla. Carlos Carla Car- Carla. Yeah, Santa Carla. The song "Cry Little Sisters" playing over mm-hmm. these credits of this. Right. The thing I like about this scene right here, it does kind of set the tone right. and the atmosphere of this movie pretty mm-hmm. quickly. I mean, I've always liked that. I mean, it's like a great opening shot mm-hmm. to this movie. So you got like tons of people on this boardwalk, like, mm-hmm. you know, riding rides. And like, I remember going to like Myrtle Beach had a huge pavilion. Yes. We'd go every summer and it was just like this where you just walk the boardwalk, played games, rode the rides. Um, walked on the beach. Yeah, and by all accounts, I think this pavilion and everything is still fairly well intact like it was yeah. back then yeah. from this uh, movie. I think the only, one of the things I've heard is the Ferris wheel isn't there anymore. So you've got like groups of like, <laughs> kind of like, they call them surf Nazis in this, but they're and, just well, like 
punks. Well, that's what they are. Yeah, they're kind of just surf Nazis. Yeah, yeah I surf- mean, that, that sums it up. Yeah. They're all just being obnoxious. You also kind of get introduced to what you can, the Lost Boys. Yeah. They come into the scene, and these two groups obviously have a beef with each other. Yeah, that's the way it kind of seems. I mean, it seems like they maybe had some run-ins on the boardwalk, you would assume. Right. Um, I guess it's like the head of it, the head, the surf Nazis is Greg, and he's got his girlfriend. Yeah. Shelly. Yeah, and that's the one David is kind of... Looking at. Yeah, kind of making, yeah, so some So they kind of on. square off over her, I guess. Um, she's, she's with Greg. And that's when uh, kind of a fight seems to break out. He trips Paul when he goes by. He trips him and they start kind of shouldering each other and just... They clearly don't like each other. Yes, very clearly, yeah. So the, the boardwalk guard comes up and he tells them, you know, he told the Lost Boys, I told y'all to stay off the boardwalk. They just kind of, I mean, the Lost Boys, they're just kind of calm and cool, really. Yeah, they're very They kind of smirk at everybody and just kind of walk through real cool and um, they're dressed. You know, we talked about this when we were watching the movie that the styles of the clothes is very maybe Californish. It's not really... There's some you can see a lot of the tickle like the girls outfits are very eighties, but a lot of this they got the mohawks and the Well, I always kinda looked at this movie and as the years have went on and even more so now, this movie was headed toward the late eighties. Right. Into the nineties. Right. And this movie almost seems to merge those two eras. Because we do get into Corey Haynes clothing later, yes, which he's is very eighties. And there's on people on the boardwalk, there are certain people that look very 80s. Yes. But then the way that the Lost Boys are dressed, are kind of got the, um, you call them the... Metal kind of punk. Metal kind, kind of, of punk. Mohawks, uh, leather jackets, denim jackets. Yes. Um, they look very like heavy metal rock kind yeah. of people. Yeah. They don't really try to start fights. They just are who they are. They're just walking through and obviously... These other guys don't like them. Yeah. Well, um, like you, we were saying, there's some There's beef. some history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the guard tells them to leave. David just tells all his boys, like, okay, let's go. let's go. And it's just calm and cool, and they leave. Yeah, and the, board, the guard tells the other ones, y'all leave too. Get so, out of here. So he just shuffles them all off. And then we kind of cut to a scene where the boardwalk is closing down for tonight. You right. know, all the lights are going out, and I mm-hmm. guess the day is done there. And then we have an overhead shot of the parking lot, and the security guard is, like, going to his car. This is that same security guard. Same security guard. Yeah, he's just walking. He's got his lunch pill in his hand. He's just walking to his car. Yeah, and then you hear something overhead. It's like a POV shot of him. And uh-huh. then he kind of looks up, and he freaks out. He sees yeah. something coming toward him. He starts, It says high-pitched screeching, yes. whispering voices. Yes. Um, and he just takes off running towards his car. Yeah, and needless to say, he doesn't make it to his car nope. because he's jerked up off of the concrete and he's gone. It doesn't show what it was. Yeah. It just something picked him up. Yeah, and you don't see what happens to him. You mm-hmm. never see him again. And then you kind of see like some, it just kind of gives some like flashes of like weird carnival kind of things. Clown faces bobbing, dark images in the carousel. Just kind of like, wow, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Something's weird with this boardwalk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so something's definitely a mess here. Mm-hmm. You go, this, this says the deserted beach. 
and it just shows the beach. There's it's empty, abandoned. Hmm. No, I don't have that Did, here. Is this shows where the guard's body? Did it show it in the movie? No, well, you never see, see him. See the again. screenplay shows it shows his body like no. he he just falls to the ground and it's a thud. No, I mean you never see him again. Yeah, okay. in, in the movie because the next scene we go to is the Emerson family in their car. Right, and it's the next day, or I assume it's the next day or some mm-hmm. days afterwards. Um, Lucy Anderson, she's driving. This says she's late 30s, sexy, warm, comfortable with herself, a bit of a free spirit. Yeah, I was going to mention that she kind of comes off to me as kind of a, a hippie yeah. child, which I think actually Michael does say something like that, that later on in the movie. Look at her dad. Yeah. She probably was raised around him. He seems very nature into nature. and Yeah, and uh, you know she's kind of singing some music on the radio, and of course the, her two sons, Michael and Sam, are just kind of rolling their eyes at it. This says Sam, 11. He's clearly older in the No, movie. no, he's clearly older. <laughs> well, and I'm going to get into some trivia stuff about that later on. He has a huge Siberian Husky. Or yeah. I think it's actually a Malamute. Yeah, it's a Nanook. Nanook is the dog's Beautiful name. Beautiful dog. It's a Malamute. Yeah. It's not a... And the uh, Emerson family, they're like passing by a sign that says, Welcome to Santa Carla. And Michael kind of turns around as they're passing the sign, and he looks behind it, and somebody spray-painted on there, murder capital of the world. So that's not a very encouraging thing to see when you're headed into town in a new place. And Sam goes, what's that smell? Yeah. And then we have the song, When You're Strange, which is a, I think this is a cover of the old Doors song. I don't think it's the Doors singing this one. And Sam and Michael are kind of roaming around the boardwalk, and you know, Michael's out kind of looking for a job because uh, he walks up. Some guy says, is there any work here? And the guy says, nothing legal. You know, they're just kind of, you know, roaming around, like I said, checking everything out. And then we kind of cut to a shot where the Emerson family, they're back in their car and they pull up uh, to a house, which is, they kind of, we kind of find out his grandpa's house. And that, that I think she is newly divorced. They're moving to live with her yeah. father. Yeah, they kind of established that you know, once uh, we meet a grandpa, which at first we're not sure if we're going to meet grandpa because we see a body laying out on the porch. Yeah. You know, this house looks pretty rough already, and you don't know, God, grandpa might have been laying there dead for a while. <laughs> she goes, he's just a deep sleeper. <laughs> yeah. And then he uh, just raises up and everything. And, you know, her two sons are like, oh, God, what have we got ourselves into? <laughs> They're walking around in this house, and it looks like it's just a house that, you know, time forgot, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a glorified shack in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's got a lot of, like, what do you call when you stuff animals? Taxidermy. Taxidermy, yeah. And, of course, Sam is like me at this age, where you're walking around, and you see no, no TV, TV, and that means no MTV, <laughs> and that's unacceptable. At that age, I mean, that would have been unacceptable. Because I had to have MTV. I had to have my fix of it at the time. And for young people who don't remember this and are listening to this podcast, at one time, MTV meant music television, where they played music videos 24 hours a day. It wasn't reality TV. And it wasn't about, you know, slutty teenage girls getting pregnant or anything (laughs) like that now. Yeah, MTV was like my lifeline when I was a kid. Mrs. Emerson's talking to, I guess this is her dad, of course, and, you know, talking about, you know, the divorce and everything. Yeah, he's like, you're the only person I know that your situation didn't get better with a divorce. Yeah. Obviously, she said, I think it was like, she just didn't fight. 
Yeah, but she didn't she find just it. gave up everything, and now they yep. don't have anything. Yeah, so she could just make a clean start, fresh right. break. And uh, then we kind of cut the scene of Mike and Michael and Sam kind of just running around the house, you know, just just playing around. And then they kind of run into the room. And this is where you're talking about all the taxidermy. Because yeah. there's a room just full of taxidermy. Their grandpa comes out and just like, okay, you know, we got some rules in this house. <laughs> and then he kind of goes to the refrigerator and he says, this is my shelf. Mm-hmm. This is where I keep my root beers and my double stuff Oreo cookies. <laughs> nobody touches uh, them. Yeah, nobody touches it, which I can I can admire that because I would like to have a shelf like that too. Michael kind of points out that he's growing marijuana outside. Yeah, window. yeah, yeah. You can see the marijuana plants out yeah. there. So gra- Grandpa's smoking some doobies. Then Grandpa has the TV guide. And he says, you know, here's the TV guide. He said this comes in every week. And he says, you'll see the label on here. And you're tempted to peel it. Don't. <laughs> because it tears off the labels, and I don't like that. It sounds like you have a TV? Yeah, and he's, he's like, like uh, no, hey. I just read the TV guide. Yeah. If you read that, you don't need a TV. Yeah, yeah, that's what I know. And <laughs> it's just like, okay. And then we go back to night, and this is the boardwalk, and we're kind of going back over the water again, and mm-hmm. we're going back uh, out there, and we hear a concert. And yeah. then we uh, have uh, these uh, big, bulky guys with saxophones playing. <laughs> I still believe. <laughs> yeah. And people are naturally just having the best time ever. I Now, I will say this. A lot of people make fun of this. I love scene, it. But I would have killed to have been Me at this too. concert when I was a kid. I would have I killed to have been there. This looks like just something I would just eat up when I was a kid. The saxophone player, he's like... <laughs> oh, that guy does uh, comic book conventions and stuff yeah, now. Yeah, like he's conventions. popular. Yeah, I mean, he... I mean, I've seen pictures of people that have taken pictures with him online. So, yeah, he, he he's big on the comic book convention scene. And so there's, you know, kind of a crowd around that concert. And you see that them surf Nazis again are out there. They yeah. just, even though the guard kicked them out of there, here they are again. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, this, like I said, I mean, I imagine on that boardwalk, there are the regulars out there left and right. This is oh. kind of where you notice um, Sam's clothes and hair. Yeah, he's very he's got spiky hair mm-hmm. and very like pastel kind of colors, colors on. Yeah, just, very Miami Vice type mm-hmm. of, of clothes he has on. And Michael and Sam are at the concert, and you know, just yeah, I guess enjoying it like everybody else. And then we kind of see two characters, a uh, star and Lonnie, are kind of making Laddie. their way. Laddie? Laddie. Oh, I thought it was Lonnie. It's Laddie. And they are making their way to the concert. And I find this funny that this screenplay has Sam as 11 and Laddie at 14. Well, I said, I'm going to get into something in our mm-hmm. trivia about that. that you but know. Michael is instantly enamored with Star. Yeah, Star is kind of just up there, and he, Michael literally can't keep his eyes off of yeah, him. Yeah, he's just like... He's like transfixed. Uh-huh. You, you know, I think even Sam is trying to turn his head away, and no, yeah, there was none like, of that happening. What are you looking at? Stop yeah, looking at her. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Concert's up there. And uh, then we kind of cut to a scene of Mrs. Emerson. You know, she's kind of just walking around the boardwalk, and she notices a little boy, like a little lost child. And she is, you know, asking, you know, where's your mama? Where's everybody mm-hmm. at? There's a video store right close by, mm-hmm. and this is owned by a character, Max. Is it videos? I thought it was TV store. It was a video store. Oh, I thought it had TVs. Well, it had TVs on the wall oh, and everything, okay. too, but it was mainly a video store. Yeah, and she brings the child in there. About that time, you know, 
the 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 child's mom comes and mm-hmm. actually finds them and you know Max gives the child a lollipop and everything yeah. it's you know everything's good. You know, then he uh, asked Mrs. Emerson, you know, because he says something like, we had the widest range of videos in the area. And she says, well, I'm not really looking for a video. I'm looking for uh, a, job. Yeah, a job. And she was like, uh, I think she says, yeah, do I look that needy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he basically kind of just offers her a job. You know, um, he introduces her. He has a dog named Thorn. He has a white um, German Shepherd. Yeah. And then... I, well, this happened a tad bit earlier in the scene, but we see David and his crew in They there come in his store. Walking around. Walking around, and, and Max is looking at him like, get out of here. Yeah, because he even says, I told y'all not to come in Back here. here. Yeah. So this is the second time they're getting kicked out of someplace. Yeah, so you think, okay, well, Max is done for. And nobody around here wants me in uh, yeah. here. But, you know, and then he kind of sends them off. And then we kind of cut back to the boardwalk, and Michael is kind of in pursuit of Star. I yeah. guess the concert's over, and he's kind of following her around. She's just walking with Laddie, and he's follow- He's dead stalking her. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all you can describe this as. This <laughs> yeah. is just flat out stalking. And then we cut to see where Max is, and Max is, or Sam, I mean, Sam has uh, gone into a comic book store. And this is this is a comic book store I would love to went into when I was a kid. Owned by the Frog Brothers. Well, I don't know if they own it or if they work there. I never did really get I that. I think they own it. You think they, they own it? it? Okay. Yeah. I never really could figure that out. come in in that one scene. They come in and open the store and everything. They have a keys. And I guess they could work there. But well, I mean, I've opened the stores. and I, don't, I always I don't took it there. as they worked. They, they owned it. I mean, I guess I could see that. I just kind of thought maybe they were a little too young to own it. But maybe they did own mm-hmm. it. You know, I never did really um, get that. But And then we kind of... Find out that, you know, the Frog Brothers kind of, you know, asking what he wants there. Sam says, well, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. And, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, they said there's only like five in existence, you know. And it was like, it's, and Sam's like, well, four, actually, but I'm always on the lookout for another three of them. Yeah. And then they're, they're like, oh, okay, we got a nerd here. And then that's about time Sam is just like doing all this Superman nerd talk where there's continuity in the Superman (laughs) things. And then they finally say, well, where the hell are you from, Krypton? (laughs) And he said, no, I'm, you know, I forgot where they came from. Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, but he said, well, thankfully we moved here. And then as uh, Sam's kind of walking around, uh, Edgar hands him a vampire comic. Yeah. It's titled Vampires Everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. And uh, he He's, says... I, I like horror comics. And he said, well, you'll like this one. Yeah, this could, this one could save your life. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then about that time, we kind of cut back to Star. And Michael's still following Michael's her. Michael's still following her. And she ends up walking up. There's uh, David and his crew on their motorcycles. And she gets on the back of the uh, motorcycle with David. You know, of course... Uh, Michael's out of luck, and they just take, she takes off on a motorcycle with them. And then Sam kind of walks up to Michael and just like, you know, basically like, oh, well, you struck out. <laughs> you know? Then we cut to a man and a woman in a car. This is the punks? I think this is some of them, this yeah. This is Greg and Shelley. Yeah, I think this is the ones from earlier. And they're in a car, and then they start to hear something above the car. It's like some kind of scratching, mm-hmm. but they can't tell what it is. And then all of a sudden, the top of the car is literally ripped off. off. And then you don't see who it is, but then they're like snatched out of the car. Mm-hmm. And then they're gone, just like the security guard at the beginning. That, yeah, that's it for them. They're done. Then we're back to the next day, and Sam is back at the comic book store. 
you know, Sam's just kind of looking around, minding his own business, and the Frog Brothers are naturally eyeballing him again. And then uh, they go to talk to Sam about vampires in uh, Santa Carla. And they hand uh, Sam another vampire comic, but this time with their phone number on it. And they say, you know, this might, you might need this. You know, and uh, Sam's, of course, just all rolls her eyes, like whatever. These just these guys are just, you know, screwed in the head, basically. And then we go back to night again, and Michael is on the boardwalk, and this time Star finds him. Him, yeah. Yeah, and he, she is, I think you put it the best. She's bait. She's bait. Yeah. Because I always wondered what her involvement with, the Lost Boys was. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like she knew she had a fish on the line. Yeah. And she was just slowly reeling mm-hmm. him in. And she starts asking that he wants his ear pierced. Yeah. And um, I hate she could do it for him. What is it? She's about to get on Michael's bike with him. And then David and, Rides up. and all them. And, and he's a star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where are you going? I don't know if Star and David were together. I never got that. He kind of acted a little bit. Possessive. Possessive but, of but her. I never got that. But you, she never kissed him. She never. There was never any scenes of them. Any closeness. Physical no. closeness to each no. other. She just stays on the back of his bike. Yeah. Yeah. I never got that from, from him at all. I mean, if, if there was, you never got any indication mm-hmm. of it. And, you know, David tells Star, you know, you get get on my bike. Then uh, David asks uh, Michael, do you know where this certain point is? And Michael already knows he's trying to challenge him to a race. And he says, there ain't no way I can beat your bike. And David's like, well, you don't have to beat me. You just got to keep up with us. They're kind of like on Harleys. I think and so. And he's kind of more on like a Honda sports yeah. bike. Engine is not the same. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I mean, and I think that's the realization. And it's like, no, you, we're not asking you to race. Just keep up. Yeah, you just keep up with us. And then they all take off on their, on their bikes. And, you know, they're going across the beach. They're going across various areas. And, and out in the woods, up with these, like, hills and, like, motorbike trails. Trails. Yeah, and... um Michael is keeping up with them because Michael is keeping up with David, and they're basically kind of neck and neck for mm-hmm. the most part. He's able to kind of keep up with him pretty well. They're riding in an area, and you can't hardly see anything in front of you because there's like a really dense fog. Yeah, and this is kind of, it builds the feeling of like Michael just wants to belong somewhere. Yeah. He's new. He wants to make friends, mm-hmm. and like they're exciting to him. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because he's just kind of keep looking at them, and they're just, I think, it, like, an, he's enamored by their group. Well, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, that does make sense. He wants to fit in. He is keeping up with them, and then David kind of makes a stop all yeah. of a sudden, and Michael kind of skids his bike and basically falls off of it, and he nearly goes offside of a cliff. Right. They literally rode right to the edge of a cliff. I think David was testing to see how far he'd go. Yeah, that's what it is, is because Michael just gets up and just runs over and punches David right in the face. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, basically challenges him to a fight, and David pretty much asks him point blank, it's like, how far are you willing to go? But you kind of get a look from the Lost Boys that they approve of him. Yeah, I think that they... They're not opposed to having him... As part of their group. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. if he's willing to do it. 
Well, the next scene we have is Michael follows them to like this underground kind of club resort. Yeah. It was something that they say it was like an old uh, club or something that was around in the 1930s that just fell into the cracks during an earthquake. This has a Victorian hotel lobby. Yeah, yeah, well, I could see that too. I mean, I think I want to say they said a club, but it could be that too. And it just kind of fell into the crack during an earthquake and Mm -hmm. it's been there ever since. And that's kind of, I guess, what their little hideout. David's like, this was the hottest resort in Santa Carla back about 80 years ago. Yeah. He's telling David more about, and they stay here. This is where they stay. And then David gets one of his guys, Marco, to go get him some food. Then David kind of pulls out a joint and hands it to Michael and says, Mm -hmm. here's a little appetizer before a meal, basically. Right. She always has like worry on her face she's kind of hanging back in the background yeah. and she's kind of watching this with yeah you could see a little bit of worry on her face because it seems like she sees what's about to happen here but she, she knows saying and then we cut to a scene where sam is in his bed at night and he's reading a vampire comic book kind of tell us kind of unnerving him a little <laughs> bit while he's reading it didn't his um grandpa give him a yeah, a taxidermy that's beaver about, that's or something. What I was about to say is grandpa comes in and kind of startles him a little bit and he brings him a little how, uh, room warming gift, which is a <laughs> stuffed beaver. He sets it over there beside uh, Sam's nightstand and then tells him good night. And then Sam's starting to read his comic book again. He keeps glancing over and it's like his beaver's staring at him. <laughs> and he finally just gets up like, no, we ain't doing this. And he takes the beaver and puts it in his closet. <laughs> Then we cut back to uh, David and Michael and all the Lost Boys there. And they're, you know, got, got their food. They got Chinese food. And, uh, you know, they hand uh, Michael a thing with some rice. And then, you know, everybody's starting to eat and everything. And then David says, well, how you like the maggots? Yes. And then Michael's like, what? You he know, looks and, down and there's maggots all yeah, in his thing. Yeah, there's maggots all in it. He just spits it out and everything. And then he just kind of looks back down, and it's rice. And uh, David's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. He said, well, yeah. here, try this. He hands him his food. Here's some noodles. And then the noodles, he oh. does something, or like earthworms. And then Michael says, there's a worms. And David's like, what do you mean these are worms? And then he looks in there, and then David, Michael, or David starts eating them, he said, and it's noodles. <laughs> and this is the part I like where Star kind of like, leave him alone. Yeah, leave him alone. That, that one of them says, chill out, girl. Yeah, chill out, girl. <laughs> Me and my sister she used to say that to each other all the time. Yeah. Chill out, girl. And then uh, David kind of whispers, I think, to Marco, you know, bring me my wine. And Marco comes over with this old kind of wine bottle. So yeah. it's, it's like a very old wine mm-hmm. bottle. And, you know, David just kind of pulls the top off of it and kind of just sniffs it and then just takes a good little drink out of it. Mm-hmm. He tells him he's wine, but then Star stands behind him and says, you don't have to, Michael. It's blood. Well, the thing before that is David just looks at Michael and says, drink from this and be one of us. Be one of us. And then that's when what happens is what you're saying. But I think a... what David was doing was he's playing mind tricks with him. Yeah, because that's what he says. And because when... Star comes up and says it's blood. He's already been fooled, fooled with twice the worms before. And the maggots. Yeah, so he's like, oh, no, it's ain't blood. Y'all David's making around. him imagine he's seeing things. Yeah, and then he's making it where it's not that. Yeah, you're tricking him so into drinking. So this is most likely really blood. Yeah, because yeah, Star says it's no, blood. don't drink his blood, and then finally Michael's like, no, whatever, and then Michael just takes a huge drink yeah. out of it, and they just all applaud, and Michael just keeps drinking. And then they're just applauding them, and then they uh, head out. 
and they drive their motorcycles to like a bridge, like a over overhead bridge. And they're all walking on the bridge. And then they say, then you see one of them drop through the bridge. And then the other one start dropping through the bridge. Michael's just like, okay, what's going on here? And then David drops off and they, you hear them down there. It's not like they, they died or they fell down through. Then they say, Michael, come on down. And then Michael just drops and they're all hanging up under this bridge. It's like it's almost exhilarating thing for Michael after a little bit, particularly when a train starts coming. This train starts coming and it starts shaking the bridge. All these guys are just laughing about it. It's like they're having fun and Michael's just shaking. He's like, oh my God, I can't hold on. I can't hold on. All of a sudden they start dropping into yeah. the into the clouds, into this fog in the clouds. Michael's just screaming like, oh my God, these guys are dying. They're, they're dying. And then David drops off and he tells them before he does, he says, you are one of us, Michael, let go. And Michael's just like, no, no, I can't. He says, do it. You are one of us. And then David lets go and drops down into the clouds. And Michael just screams his name. But then after the train goes by, he hears them down there calling him. Then Michael finally lets go. And then he just drops through the clouds. And he just kind of drops. And then next thing you know, he falls right into his own bed. And he just looks like he's just hung over and wiped out. Like, you know, he just had a hard night. You know, like he, he wasn't even outside at all. And about that time, Sam runs in with the phone. And Michael's just looking like he just came in after a hard night of party. And he's just extremely hung over. He hands uh, Michael the phone and says, hey, it's mom. And then Michael just is like trying to grab some sunglasses. I guess the sun is just killing his eyes. He says, oh, yeah, what's up, mom? And then his mom says, you know, well, Max kind of asked me out tonight and I would really like to go. Can you watch uh, Sam this evening? And Michael's just very reluctant, like, uh, Sam should be old enough to watch out for herself. And even Sam says, yeah, I'm old enough to watch out for myself. But, you know, Michael, of course, caves and said, yeah, I'll go ahead and keep an eye on him for the evening. Ain't no problem. You know, go out and have fun. You cut to that evening and uh, Grandpa apparently has a date for himself. He's getting ready to go out. And he's kind of walking around the kitchen, getting prepared and everything. And, you know, he's like, uh, aftershave. I need some aftershave. And he's like, uh, well, there's some lemon uh, Windex here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that'll work. And then he puts, splashes some of that on. And, and they're like, okay, I'm good to go for tonight. Let's go ahead and head on out. And then Grandpa gets in his car, and I guess he's headed out for his date for the evening. And uh, Widow Johnson. Yeah, there you go. That's it. And, uh, you know, Sam is, uh, you know, I'm fixing himself something to eat. And Michael's just being kind of very, I don't know what the word would be exactly. He, act, he acts like he's drugged up. He's, yeah, I guess that's the best way to describe Sam it. Sam asked him several times, are you free, Basin? Yeah, it's, yeah I guess he's that's... he's wearing sunglasses at night. Yeah, and he just, yeah, he seems like he's in a different place, basically. And then all of a sudden, about this time, you hear motorcycles outside. And it's almost like the motorcycles, you can't see them. But it sounds like they're circling the house because you see their headlights and you mm -hmm. hear them, but you can't see them. The, the curtains are blowing. and Yeah, and Sam is kind of freaking yeah, out. He's and like, what is that? Yeah, and Michael is like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. And they don't even know what it is. And the dog is kind of getting riled up and everything, too. And then Michael just finally goes up to the front door, opens the door, and it's dead silence. There's nothing. You know, there's nothing there. And I don't know, it's just, it's... 
I, I never really got what that scene was supposed to be, if that meant that David and his crew were kind of keeping an eye on Michael or mm-hmm. what that was. I never really understood what the point of that was supposed to have been exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that scene ends right there. And then we cut to a scene with Sam in the bathtub. Yeah, with Nanook. Yeah, Nanook is like laying there beside the tub, just, you know, watching out for Sam. And Michael's downstairs, and he kind of opens the refrigerator, and I guess he's wanting to try to get himself some milk. And he grabs the milk, and all of a sudden, these pains start shooting out, like in his stomach. And yeah. he drops the milk. It's He's like in his pain. It's almost like a convulsing kind mm-hmm. of pain. Sam is oblivious to everything. He's up there singing in the tub, you know, just, you know, just kicking back and enjoying himself. Michael gets up. And he starts walking to the the stairs toward the bathroom. He's like slowly making his way up there. And then inside around where the tub, you see Nanook looking toward the door. Like he suspects something. You know, he feels uneasy. And Sam is oblivious to all this. And then about that time, Michael opens the door with this look of like a hunger on his face. Like he's about to attack. And Nanook starts barking and literally jumps out at Sam, or jumps out at Michael, just as Sam has got his head up under the water washing his hair. And Sam just bursts his head up out of water, and all he hears is commotion. I just always wonder if that would have been a point of where Michael might have actually tried to kill Sam, if he was that far gone. I think he's already, you don't know what's going on with him, but he's obviously... Wanting to kill or he's drawn to something. Yeah, I mean, that just made me wonder if he was already that far gone, you know, already just after that one night. Yeah, he's already having cravings. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, too, because, as I said, I think if that dog wasn't there, he would have attacked. Then uh, we kind of cut to Sam. You know, he comes out of the bathroom, and he, like, looks down there, and there's Michael with his hand bleeding, where, like, the nook had bit his hand. And Sam is just like, what did you do to my dog? Yeah, why did he, why, he wouldn't bite you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what did he do? Yeah, Michael's like, I didn't do anything. He said, you know, he said, you didn't hurt him. He said, no, I didn't hurt him. He said he was protecting you. After Sam's talking about his bite, you know, Michael stands up and is walking. And then Michael happens to walk by a mirror. And Sam goes, look at your reflection in the mirror. Yeah, and then you see Michael's reflection and it's starting to fade. Yeah, he's kind of invisible. Yeah, and then Sam just kind of looks and like, oh my God, you're, you're a, a creature of the night. You're a vampire. <laughs> and he's like, he's just running up the stairs and he's like, God, wait till mama hears about this. <laughs> and then he just goes in there and closes the door. Sam is like, grabs the comic book and calls the number on the comic book, which is the Frog Brothers. The Frog Brothers. <laughs> and the Frog Brothers, they ask him if Michael's acting differently, like, you know, bad breath. Yeah. Or anything, but no more than normal. Does I think he sleep a lot? Yeah, bad breath. And then they just pretty much tell him, what you need to do, Sam, is get a wooden stake and drive it right through his heart. <laughs> He's like, I can't do that. That's my brother. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, well, all right. I was said, well, I guess if anything, if you ain't going to do any of that, you better wear a garlic T-shirt tonight. And then, you know, that hangs up. And then we cut to Michael in his room. And Michael, you can't really see what's happening at first. Because it's very close on him. And then all of a sudden, Michael just kind of opens his eyes and his face is against a wall. Yeah, he's floating. But yeah, it's not the wall, it's the ceiling. Right, he's he's floating in the air. Yeah, he's floating in the air and he can't control himself. And it's almost like the outside is trying to pull him out. 
I don't know. I never really got that either. I mean, is it just like the knight is trying to pull him outside or something? Mm -hmm. I, I never really understood yeah. that. That's what I always assumed. But he's struggling to stay inside. And he's like screaming and everything. And about that time, the phone rings. It's the mom. And his mom, you know, kind of checking in. She's at work. Or she on her date. She's on her date. She's, she's, on her date. she's just kind of checking in to see how the boys were doing. You know, Sam's like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And then, you know, you can't. she can't help us start hearing that screaming. Mm -hmm. She's like, what's wrong with Michael? What's going on? And, you know, Sam's like, just trying to play it off. Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. And then Michael is floating around outside. And then all of a sudden, he's floating outside Sam's window. Sam's, window. Sam's like, oh, God, he's coming to get yeah, me. Yeah, he's going to kill Mom. me. And he's screaming. And then the mom just starts freaking out. And, you know, because it sounds like they're about to kill each other. And then she just hangs up the phone and just barrels out there. Because I know Max is, like, sitting in the restaurant. He just kind of happens to glance outside. And he looks and sees his date just jumping in the car and running off. So he's like, oh, mm -hmm. well, this ain't good for me. <laughs> you know? And then uh, Michael is still floating around outside, and, you know, Sam is, like, making a cross with his fingers and everything. <laughs> and this is, a, like, a Salem's Lot scene where the vampire is floating outside, mm -hmm. you know, trying to beg him to come in. And Sam is just very reluctant to let him in, and Michael's just begging, like, please let me in. I won't yeah. hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. Just please let me in. And then, finally, Sam kind of relents and pulls him in. Michael... Tell Sam, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. Oh, we've got to stick together. Yeah, we got to stick together. We can't tell mom. Yeah, we can't tell mom. Yeah, you need to tell your mom you're a vampire. Yeah, that's that's not a <laughs> that's not a good thing to to speak about. No, no doubt. And then a short time later, mom comes in, mm -hmm. and of course she is just a hysterical, a hysterical. And then uh, Sam's just like, "Oh, mom, I'm fine. I was just reading a horror comic, and I, I got, got scared. scared." And she was like. A horror comic and she's just so upset she sees the milk carton on the floor that michael dropped and she's like what is all this mess and everything and she picks up the milk carton and sets it on the counter and it has a picture of uh laddie laddie on it missing yeah a missing kid. picture of him which i remember when they used to do that back yep. in the 80s had missing mm -hmm. kids on milk cartons yep. about that time you know as they're cleaning up michael has kind of snuck out he's got on his bike and, you know, he kind of just, you know, pushing it out of the driveway. So I guess the mom can't hear it start up. And, you know, he kind of just heads out into the night. Sam, a little later, Sam is knocking on his mom's door. Mom's getting ready to go to bed and everything. <laughs> he and wants Sam, to sleep in there with yeah, her. he wants to sleep with mom because she's like, yeah, a comic really scared me, mom. And she was like, all right, I guess, you know, somebody like, well, you're a little too old for this, but all right, I guess. And then, you know, he sits on the bed and she's like, ooh, what have you been eating tonight? And, you know, he's like, oh, nothing. He says, well, you just smell like garlic. And then he's pulling off his robe. He's got big balls of garlic <laughs> hanging all over him. Then we cut to a scene of Max. I guess he's coming home that night after being uh, ditched from his date. And, you know, he's going into his yard and everything. And then there's Thorn there. And, you know, he's kind of just walking around, getting ready to go into his house. And then all of a sudden, similar to what happened at Michael's house and everything, Michael was Sam, motorcycles, mm -hmm. the sound of motorcycles and the sound of headlights, and they're just swirling around. And you think, oh, God, he's next. You know, it just keeps going around, going around. The dog is barking, and then nothing. And then uh, we kind of cut to where Michael is back at the, I guess what you said, the hotel. That was what it was, kind of a hotel that fell down. That's where the mm -hmm. Lost Boys are. And Michael is there looking for Star. And she's sitting on her at the edge of the bed like she's been waiting for him to show up. 
Michael is just like, he just wants to talk to her. I don't understand what's happening to me. And she's almost like she wants to tell him, but she can't. She can't really say anything. And then she starts kissing Michael, and then they end up uh, having sex. You know, of course, the song Cry Little Sister is playing again. And then we have a point of view shot of, like, the early morning. It's almost, I guess, like the vampires are turning. They, like, I guess you never really see them do it, but they, like, are flying in and flying back into their uh, hideout there. And we see Michael in bed with Star, and he kind of wakes up because he hears that commotion of them coming in, but he never sees them. And Michael looks down at his hand where the dog bite where the nook bit him. It's healed. Yeah, and he takes off the bandage, and yeah, there's mm-hmm. no bite there anymore. Right. Yeah, it's it's gone. And then Michael comes back home the next morning. You know, he kind of goes by Grandpa, and Grandpa's outside putting up, like, a fence. He's got, like, some little stakes he's putting up. He's, like, he's trying to build a little fence around the well, house. They're big. Yeah, they're logs big. Yeah, big logs. sharpened. Kinda, yeah. And he's out there kind of doing that, I guess, you know, just uh, one of his house projects. Michael goes in and his mom is like there waiting for him and she kind of wants to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, because she kind of feels like maybe Michael is, you know, on drugs, basically. I think she gets a sense that he's on drugs or if it's a girl or if it's both or something like that. Right. And Michael's kind of being very evasive about right. it. Right, she's just trying to get him to talk to her. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, naturally, I mean, you know... You could see that he's acting different from the time they got there to now. Right. Yeah, he's, you know, in the space of, I guess, what, they've been there like a week. He's mm-hmm. already acting very differently. Yeah. And then Sam is sitting there at the, like, the kitchen table. And Michael, as Michael walks by, Sam asks, did you take care of everything, Michael? And Michael just kind of looks at him like, you know, basically like, no. You know, just kind of walks off. And then we cut to a scene of, of the mom and Sam pulling up and I guess in front of Max's house. Yeah, she's taking him wine to try to say sorry yeah. for running out on him. Yeah, kind of smooth things over after she kind of ditched him the other night. And, you yeah. know, she has something and, you know, and I think the mom says, if anything, he says, well, I think I should have you deliver this because this is all your fault. Yeah. You know? But, you know, she's trying to get in and everything and she kind of opens the fence up and walks in, you know, to the yard. And then Thorn comes out, and she's like, oh, hi, Thorn. How are you doing? And then the dog just starts getting very agitated. Growling and kind of coming at her. Yeah, and it goes after her, and mm-hmm. she takes off. Yeah. And then she tries to get to the fence, and the fence won't open, and Sam comes out of the car, and he's trying to get over and help. And then the mom finally just starts climbing the fence, and she barely gets over Mm-hmm. before the dog was going to just basically just like probably try to chew her leg off. Yeah, he's trying to come to the break through the gate. Yeah, he is very angry. But there's something to that. Well, yeah. Yeah, we find out later there's what that is. There's something to that. Yeah. I didn't, I thought it was something else originally when I was a day. kid. When I watched this. This is daytime. Yeah. And uh, then we kind of cut to that night. Or wait a minute. No, we... Uh, Isn't that Sam with the Frog Brothers? No, I, yeah, I missed that part. Yeah, I'm right here. Sam is with the Frog Brothers and they're... Basically, they're kind of catching Sam up on vampire lore. You know, like, in order, all half-vampires will go back to normal if you kill the head vampire. And it's like, you know, we just have to find out who the head vampire is. Mm-hmm. And they all, and then, um, I guess, Sam assumes it's Max. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I don't know where he got that assumption from. <laughs> right. But maybe it's from the dog and everything. Yeah. Like a, it's like a protector for a vampire. Hounds of hell. Yeah, hounds yeah. of hell. And he says, well, it's got to be Max. It's got to be Max. And then uh, the frog bro's like, all right, well, we'll check out this Max and see, mm-hmm. you know, see if that's who it is. And then we cut to that night and Michael's getting ready to head out. And, you know, down in the kitchen, uh, Ms. Emerson's getting the place ready because Max is coming over for dinner. She's cooking spaghetti. Yeah, and everything. And, you know, he's and Michael says, well, you can't stick around. He's got stuff to do. And, you know, Michael's headed toward the door. And as he opens the door, Max is there. And he's like, oh, you know, you must be the man of the house. And he says, well, you know, I'm not going to come in until you invite me in. And then, uh, yeah, Michael says, well, you're invited. Right. And Max comes in like, thank you. And, you know, he walks in and everything. And Max is, uh, goes up to Mrs. Emerson and kisses her. And, like, Sam comes out and he says, oh, Mom, by the way, I invited some of my friends over for dinner. I hope it's okay. I, they're the Frog Brothers. And then mm-hmm. they come out in their camouflage and everything else, you know, looking like uh, they're pl- ready to play military. And the mom just was like, oh, God. You know, she was like hoping just have a nice little dinner with her right. hopeful soon-to-be boyfriend. And uh-huh. uh, then this transpires. But basically what this dinner is, is the Frog Brothers are going to try to do these little tricks to see if Max is to a vampire. To prove that he's the head vampire. But yeah, they're going to see if Max is a vampire. First off, you know, they asked Max, you know, hey, you know, Sam kind of ground up his uh, Parmesan cheese here, you know. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah, you know, Matt's like, I'll take some of this. And then he mm-hmm. kind of puts it on there. And the Frog Brothers and Sam and all of them are watching him very intently. And then Max takes a big old heaping bite of his spaghetti uh-huh. and spits it out. And he's like, oh, oh. And he's like, oh, it's garlic. It's I bet you garlic. don't like that, do you? Yeah. He's like, you know, I love garlic. He says, just a, a little, little too, too much. much for me. And then yeah. they're just like, oh, shit. You know, that's not. And then next thing, uh, Sam, I think, ac- quote, unquote, accidentally Spills a glass of water onto his lap. Yeah, and then he's like, like, "Oh, holy water!" Yeah, it was something maybe a place like, "Oh, it burns, doesn't it?" He said, "No, it burns. (laughs) Freezing. It's freezing cold." (laughs) And then finally, the frog bro's like, "Okay, we got a last resort here." And then they jump up, turn the lights off, and then I think Sam grabs a mirror and puts it in front of Max. See if he has a reflection. Yeah, and then they turn the light on, and then Max opens it, and yeah, 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 Max looks at his own reflection in the mirror, like, "Oh, he scares him to death." Mm -hmm. And of course, he has a reflection. So basically, their whole little ploy right here has fell out. It's fell out, <laughs> and the mom is just like outraged by it. It's like, what are y'all doing? She's trying to apologize to Max that yeah. she doesn't know what's going on, and he think he says he thinks he knows what's going on. That you know, Sam's just worried that he's trying coming to, in and trying to take her away. Yeah, trying to replace his dad. Right. Yeah, uh, and that's what Sam. Sam just kind of, or Max is kind of playing it off like he's just a. You know, he's a guy, he kind of understands what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just one of those things. But, you know, he says something about, like, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, boys like him, you know, they kind of can run rough shot and they just kind of need a little discipline once in a yeah, while. Yeah, she's just kind of like, he does, she gets a little defensive, I think. She's like, he doesn't walk all over me. She yeah. didn't like him kind of, like, he's stepping his over the yeah. line. Yeah, but then he kind of backpedals pretty quick. He said, yeah. I understand. Yeah, protective mother. You know, yeah. that's understandable. But then, you know, Dave's like, okay, well, this second date went a bust. Let's mm-hmm. do third date tomorrow night, my house. Right. We'll, we'll do mm-hmm. that. You know, maybe third time will be the charm. Yep. And so that's set up. Next, we kind of cut back to the boardwalk. 
And Michael is walking around the boardwalk. He's looking for Star. Yeah, he's looking for Star, but he finds David and them at the, the boardwalk. Boys, yeah. They're at the boardwalk. They're just kind of they're just kind of sitting there just hanging out. Michael comes up to him like, Where's Star? Yeah. Where's Star? David just looks at Michael and says, Come with us. And then we cut to a scene where it's out on the beach. He says, if you ever want to see Star again. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you better you come with yeah, us. Yeah, come with us. And that's when we cut to the beach. Mm-hmm. And they're all, the Lost Boys and all of them, are, they're out in this tree. Yeah, I think this is some of the rest of them surf knots. Yeah, and they're like got a bonfire. Yeah, they're just partying out there yeah. on the beach with a bonfire. Michael is just like looking like, what's going on here? What are y'all going to do? And then David looks at Michael and says, well, you know, now the initiation's over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to join the club. And then David's face kind of comes out of shadows and he's fully vampired out. Yeah. This is an amazing scene. Yeah, I love this scene so much. And then Michael's just, oh my God. And then he looks around, looks at all the other ones and they're all vampired out. Yeah. I think they've reached the stage where they're ready to show him. Yeah, that's this it. This is what we do. Yeah, initiation's yeah. over. Time to join yeah. the club. Yeah, this is what we do. Yeah. And then Michael watches them go fly onto the beach and they attack these, I guess what you say, surf Nazis. And literally kill him, killing them, you know, biting into their heads, throwing them into fires, ripping their, breaking their necks. And David's watching in horror, but Michael. he's, he, yeah. I mean, Michael's yeah. watching them in horror, but he's changing. Too. Yeah, yeah, because they keep getting that taste for what they're doing. Well, they keep chanting his name, Michael. Yeah. Michael, mm-hmm. Michael. And then you could see him, like you were saying, he's, he's starting, starting to change to too. Yeah. But he's trying to fight it, and he does fight it. You know, because he just screams no, and then he just rolls out of the tree. He's just laying there, and then he looks up, and they all walk up over the hill. They're, like, got blood all over mm-hmm. their faces. David's like, now you know who we are. Yeah, and it's like, uh, you'll never grow old. You'll, and you'll never, never die. die. But you must feed. And then, you know, they walk away. Then I guess this is uh, the next day, Sam wakes up to more taxidermy in his room. <laughs> And he has a whole closet full yeah, of yeah, like his grandpa's. Yeah, that's the part I was going to mention. I like that. Because apparently grandpa's been bringing that in a lot because he opens up the door and there's still piles of it in there. And it's like, God, I'd hate to wake up to that kind of thing every day. And Michael's in his room and Michael wants help because he just don't know what to do. And this is the part where Star is outside. Yeah, and Star is outside. She's wanting to talk to Michael. Because, see, he never ran into her before. No, no, she wants to come in. But now he's kind of angry with her. Yeah. I think he realizes that she lured him. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. She cares about him. I think that was why she was a little bit like, you don't have to do this. That's what I gather, too. I think she kind of seen that he was just kind of a good guy, kind of an innocent guy. And he didn't. No, she didn't want to she kill him. She didn't want to pull him into that. And she just keeps wanting to come up and come up, and he says no. Now, here's my question. She wasn't invited in. How did she come in? I know. I know. Yeah, they kind of broke their vampire rules with yeah, that little part. Yeah, she just came through the window. Yeah, she just came through the window because it wasn't like uh, Michael said, come on in. Yeah. Or Sam said, come on in. She just he just appeared. acted like he didn't want to talk to her. Yeah. He didn't no, invite her in. No, no. And that's why I know they kind of broke their vampire rule right there. <laughs> She appears in there. Do you have to be a full vampire, though? Well, that may be it, too. Maybe that's She's the loophole. Maybe that's the yeah. loophole. She wasn't a full vampire, so she could come in. Yeah, maybe that's it. Well, maybe, maybe they didn't break their own rule. Maybe they had their that rule there. When Star, after she comes in, she lets 
Michael know that he's only a half vampire right now. Right. There's still hope for him. That she's the same. Yeah, but she said it's getting harder for her Her. because she's been that way for so long. And that Michael was supposed to be her first. Her first kill. To become a full vampire. Yeah, but she couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. And she says she hopes Michael will help her and Laddie? Laddie. Laddie. Okay, I actually had his name right this time. Laddie's only a half vampire, too. Michael's just like, you know, he just don't. He feels so betrayed by her, he don't even want yeah. to help her. And then she just kind of just, she disappears right back out the window. Yeah, she's hurt. Yeah, she's hurt. Because she tells him she loves him. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's just like rejecting her and telling her to leave. And she just disappears. Yeah, she flies off yeah, really quick. Yeah, you just hear her just disappear right And the then window. he's like, star? You yeah, know, but yeah. she's gone. Yeah, she's gone. And then uh, Sam is just like, you know, Michael's like, well, you know, kind of like, what we're going to do. And Sam was like, you know, I'm going to call for help. Well, Sam goes, runs out the window. He says, don't kill anybody until we get back to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sam, that's when Sam's like, okay, I'm going to call for some help. And then, of course, he grabs the comic book and we know who he's going to call. Yeah. And uh, I guess right here, we're going to go to break. And then when we come back, we will uh, go into the conclusion of The Lost Boys. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. could be the night of your life and we are now in the car with the frog brothers sam and michael and they are barreling that car up to where the vampire's hideout is and they pull up and michael you can see is very weak and you know sam is just like you know basically having almost carried michael and michael doesn't want him going in there you know he says i can't protect you you know, the Frog Brothers are out there um, basically doing a weapons check. They mm-hmm. got stakes and all their kind of stuff, and they're ready to go. And they're making their way up the steps to go in there. And then um, I think it's Edgar tells Sam that if your brother vamps out or anything or does anything in any way to jeopardize us, I'll stake him and not even think twice about it. And Sam's like, oh, just chill out. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be fine. And then uh, he's like, right. So then they head in. And they go inside there, you know, it's day, of course. They don't see them in there. The only thing they see, they see Star asleep, asleep in bed. <clears throat> and then I think it's is it Edgar that's going up there. He's about to stake her, He's, I think. Yeah, and Michael's like, don't touch her. Stay away from her. Yeah. 
I think Edgar says something like, oh, yeah, the vampires, they just have bad attitudes or something like yeah. that. Like mm-hmm. that. And then he just goes off. And they're, like, walking around trying to find where the vampire's coffin is. That's my, their main objective, try to find them, and they want to stake them while it's daylight. Mm-hmm. Which is a smart thing to me, because this has been a pet peeve of vampire movies to me. I never understood why, like, we're going to go stake a vampire, but we're going to wait one hour before the sun goes down right, to do, do it. do it early in the morning. They or... never think, okay, as soon as the roosters are, are you know, uh, you know, you hear them going off in the morning and everything, when the sun goes up, go kill them in. You've got 12 hours before the sun goes up, not mm-hmm. one hour. So I like their approach right here because they're literally in there, like, in the early in the day. Mm-hmm. But then they kind of find this, as they're walking around, they find this little opening. Yeah, and um, one of the Frog Brothers, Alan, I guess, says he feels a draft. Yeah, he feels a draft. Full air. Open. Yeah. It's open. And then uh, Sam, Edgar, and Alan go in to this, um, go through this little passageway. Mm-hmm. And they're walking around in this room, and it's like very, it's a very drafty, a very cold room. And they're like, their coffins have got to be in here somewhere. Yeah, let's find them. Yeah, let's find them. And then they're flashing a flashlight around. And then Sam, I think, flashes a flashlight, just happens to flash it up toward the ceiling. Yeah. And then he screams. And then they all look, and the vampires are hanging from the ceiling Mm -hmm. like bats. Bats. Yeah, and they're asleep. And then, you know, I think Sam's like, oh, God, I thought they were supposed to be in coffins. And then the frog goes, yeah, that's what this room is. It's It's, a big coffin. It's just one coffin. I think it's Edgar. He gets out of stake, and he starts to climb up there. And Sam's like, oh, God, what are you going to do? He says, well. Like, we don't, how do we know which one's the leader? Yeah, and he says, well, we'll just have we'll to kill just, them all. Yeah, and we'll just start with the small one yeah, on we'll, the end. Yeah, we'll start with Which small. is Marco. Yeah, Marco. Edgar gets the stake, and he's got it backed up. And then he says, oh, well, first come, first state. And then Sam's like, well, what's that, a little vampire humor? <laughs> and then Edgar just takes that stake and rams it right through Marco. And yeah. Marco just starts flailing and screaming, and blood just this goes. Seems a little. Ugh. I mean, blood. It's just. Hey, bloody. It's just like this goo pouring out of him, and just pouring on them, flailing. just flaring around. Yeah. Yeah, and Edgar and like. Or David uh, and, and all them wake up. Yeah, and they all wake yeah. up, and they're like, you they're know, dead. screaming. Yeah. Yeah. And Edgar and Sam and all them are trying to make their way out, and while they've done this, Michael has gotten Star and Laddie, Laddie and put them in the car. Yeah. As um, Sam and the Frog Brothers are trying to escape, David has gotten down, and he's trying to grab them. I think he actually gets a hold of Sam's, Sam's leg, leg, and he's trying to pull him back. Yeah, but they pull his hand into the sunlight. Yeah, they're pulling Sam out. sets they, on they, fire. Yes. Uh, there you go. David's hand sits on fire as they're pulling him out mm-hmm. into the sun. And David pulls back and his hands are flaming. And, and this scene is weird how they do his face. Like, he just, he's yelling and then he starts almost like giggling. Yeah. And then he cries. Yeah. Like a tear falls down. Well, yes. Yeah, like I guess it hurt. Yeah. And I guess it's like if, say, you or I were to actually put our hand on an mm-hmm. eye of an oven or something. Yeah. And then David's just like looking at like tonight. You know, so that means, yeah, he, they're, the rest of them are going to go get their ass when the sun goes down. So Sam and the Frog Brothers, they end up outside where the car is, and they're like, crank the car out, let's go, and Michael's passed out. Yeah, and then, uh, and then uh, was it, I, I always loved this scene, uh, like Alan and Edgar going out, they said, you know, we lost, you know, to, you know, we were in the face of the enemy and we lost and right. everything. And then uh, Edgar's like, well, no, they pulled a mind scramble on us. You know, they opened their eyes and talked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they got, yeah. Yeah. So basically, you know, they were good until they got, you know, the 
their enemy actually was uh, knew they were there. They don't want it driving the car with Star and Laddie. But they, you know, like, well, you can just stay well, here. you can just stay here. Yeah, and they're like, no, <laughs> no, we ain't doing that. So they jump in the car and they they take off. And then we cut back to the Emerson house, and Star gets a uh, Laddie, or Michael gets Star and Laddie inside, and then they kind of make a plan to do a. You know, for the vampire, they know they're going to be coming tonight. I mean, that's just that's just the foregone conclusion. And I think Sam pretty much he goes to talk to his mom at this point. Mm-hmm. I want to say that's the scene because I'm trying. I I'm not sure. I thought I had this jumbled up. Maybe I didn't. But there's a scene right in here somewhere where Sam goes to talk to his mom and tells her about the vampires while she's at work. Yes. And naturally, she's like. Yeah, she's he's embarrassing her. Yeah, because he's doing it in front of everybody, and he sounds crazy. Well, naturally, yeah. <laughs> it's her new job. Yeah, and then she just tells him, "Just go home. We're go gonna home. talk. We're gonna talk about this later." So he's just like, home. "We're on our own." Yeah, and goes back out there, and the Frog Brothers are on their bikes, and yeah, we're on our own on this. It's like that's the way we like uh, it yeah. anyway. And then they ride to a church, <laughs> and they just burst into this church Steal doing some, some kind holy of water. Sur- yeah. There's like a little service or something going well, on. It was a baby being christened. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. I knew it was something. I couldn't remember. Yeah. And they just sitting there just filling canteens up full of holy water out of this thing, <laughs> and, and not being very subtle about it either. And then we cut back to the Emerson's house, and Sam tells Grandpa, "Hey, I thought you had a date tonight." He's and like, then, "Do I?" And he's like, "Do I?" <laughs> You know, he like, said the widow something told you to be there at seven or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh well, I guess uh, better, <laughs> better not keep get her, ready. Yeah, better not keep her waiting. And then Grandpa, he's out of the house, so you know he's gonna be fine. That's about the time you see the Frog Brothers and Sam and all them. They're preparing the house. Yeah, you know, feeling like a bathtub up with a bunch of garlic and holy uh, water. Yeah, and then they stick uh, water guns down in there and fill up the water guns full of holy water. There's no way they put all that water. In no, those no, 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 <laughs> There's no, 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 it's a whole bathtub full. Yeah, I know. Yes, but at least over half full, easy. And yeah, they fill up their water guns and everything. And then about that time, we cut outside, and the sun is kind of going down mm-hmm. over the clouds and over the horizon. So, you know, we all know what that means. Yep. And then we cut back to where the vampires they're hanging up, and then all of a sudden their eyes open. Open. And then they point of view, they're flying, flying, out, and you yeah. know where, and you know where they're going. And then we cut back to the Emerson house and uh, Nanook. I'm trying to remember why was he put outside? Because of Michael. Yeah, hey, that's right. Because Star and yeah. all them came in too, and yeah, he was they said very he was agitated, growing, very agitated. So they, they were like, outside. put him outside to keep him away from them. Yeah, I totally forgot to write that down. I just seen that right here, and I'm like, yeah, why the hell was he outside? But that's right. Outside, Nanook is acting very agitated. And then Sam remembers that they put him out. Yeah. Like, oh, God, I got to go out and get in the nook. And then everybody's trying to stop him, and he runs outside. And about that time, everybody steps on the steps, and they just look up in the sky. And we don't see this, but they see Stars like they're coming. Yeah, they're coming. They see him. And then Michael runs out there and helps Sam get in the nook. And they untie him and bring him into the house. Or they try to get into the house, and they nearly don't make it. They're very close to not making it. And they get in the house just as, I guess, they arrive. And they start kind of fanning out and trying to get their bearings on where they're at. That's about the time I think they head upstairs. And then that's when one of them is already in the house. Right? I can't remember which one it is. Doesn't um, the Frog Brothers decide they're going to kill Laddie and, and Star? And they go after her. And when they go through, she runs through a door and it's the that, Billy. Billy. Uh, I had that flip. Yeah, or I is got it the that blind? Right. 
Yes, the blonde. The blonde. He's in there next to that bathtub with all the garlic. That's it. Yeah, I had that flip, but yeah, I got that. And they're like, we're going to push him in there. And he's like, you know, joke's on you. Garlic don't work. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And then they throw it in his face. And he said, how about holy water? Yeah, and they throw it in his face (laughs) and that burns him. Yes. And then about that time, they he's about to go attack. The nook yeah, hit. and the nook jumps. And it jumps hits him and knocks him in the bathtub. Yeah. It's uh, kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because this is a good little goopy death right here for him because he kind of falls into the water and he starts flailing around. It's like his body's almost melting into the water. And they filled their, their water guns up with holy water. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we got that one. One vampire there is done. As this vampire is dying in this bathtub, that's when pipes in the the sink and everything blood just blowing blood and everything everywhere. Yeah, which uh, I don't know why it would do that, but it did it. Yeah. um, Talk about your uh, uh, septic tank backing up, and then we cut to Sam and Michael are downstairs, and then the other vampire, one of the other vampires, grabs Sam. I think Sam like shoots him with holy water in the face. Yeah, he shoots him with holy water at first, but then he shoots him with an arrow. Yeah, I was about to get to and that he next. didn't kill him, and he shoots him again, and he goes to the stereo. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, he shoots him. Yeah, that's right. I have it right here like that. Yeah, he shoots an arrow, and then he falls down like he hit him. Kind of is going to go to kick him, see if he's still Yeah, alive, but then he jumps, and he up, jumps and he, up, and he says, well, you missed. And he's, missed, sucker. Uh, yeah, that's right. No, <laughs> Sam's like, well, that's only one time. And then he shoots him again with an arrow. It goes right through his heart. To the stereo. And he crashes into the stereo. Yeah. And then it starts electrifying and everything. And then this vampire just blows up. And that's a death by stereo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then uh, Michael grabs Sam and says, come on, we got to get upstairs. Yeah. And then he grabs Sam. And then Sam is like pushed aside because mm-hmm. they're going up the steps. And then it's David. And he grabs Sam, pushes him aside, and he grabs Michael and throws him down the stairs. Yeah. And Michael just is talking, or Sam, or David's talking to Michael and is saying, you know, I wanted you to be one of us. You know, I wanted to make you immortal. Michael's saying, you wanted to make me a killer. And mm-hmm. then David kind of looks at him and he's all vamped out and he's like, you are a killer. And then you see Michael and Michael's face is vamped out. And it's like, okay, these two are going to be squaring off mm, now. They're just kind of jumping through the air at each other. And and then they're fighting and they're like flying around the room, mm-hmm. basically attacking each other. And then we cut to the Frog Brothers and, and are upstairs and Sam is up there with them. And they're talking about, yeah, we got rid of one of them up here. You know, and they said, well, Nanook helped. And then about that time, Laddie is changing. Yeah, yeah under the bed. About, yeah, and then, she put him under the bed to protect him. Yeah. And then he starts vamping out. <laughs> he, he just shoots to the bed. Like, yeah, yeah. Just feathers flying everywhere. And that guy's like, attack of Eddie Munster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and who was it? It's Star that grabs him. Yeah, she's like, she, leave him alone. He's just a little boy. Yeah, because he's yeah. about to attack. And she just grabs Laddie and holds him back. And he, yeah. yeah. And then they said, don't hurt him. He's just a he's child. He's just a little boy. Yeah. And then we cut back to uh, Michael and David downstairs fighting. And then, you know, Michael is slammed up against a wall by David. Michael looks at David and says, okay, well, this is my turn. And then he grabs David and throws him and puts David up against some deer antlers on the wall or on this table. I think it's on the wall or on the table. I think it's on a table. And then impales David. And then David's just like screaming as he's dying. And he starts 
fizzing and everything else. It's like his fizzing sound. But now here's something that's interesting. The other vampires blew up. Yeah. Melted. What does David look like when he dies? Like a little, like a young... Nothing happens to him. Yeah, he just... Now that's a point I'm going to bring up in Mm -hmm. my trivia. Because he looks like he's almost at peace. Yeah. Like probably what he looked like before. Yeah. But he Mm -hmm. doesn't die this horrendous death like the other ones did. You know, the Frog Brothers and Sam run down like, oh, we got him. Yeah. That's it. But Star's like, I don't feel any different. Yeah, because Michael grabs Star and pulls him over to the corner. Because Michael still looks the same way. Like he's still vamped out. says, don't let him see me Don't let let Sam see me, yeah. And then, uh, you know, the Frog Brothers are like, you know, well, you killed the head vampire. Y'all should be fine now. And he says, well, I don't feel any different. I don't feel any different. Star doesn't either. There's something wrong here. And then they're all like, well, apparently there's another one somewhere. And then about that time, Mom and Max are showing up at the house. From their date. Yeah, from their date. And they walk in and just look around. And then Max is just kind of walking around the room. And he walks over to David's body and just kind of looks at his face and just looks at him. Mm-hmm. And just like his look at like resonation on us. And then you already know like, okay, well, we already see where this is going. Yep. <laughs> and then... The mom is, like, jumping on Sam and all them, like, and like what are y'all doing? What happened here? And mm-hmm. then Max kind of walks like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, my boys, you know, they just misbehaved, you know. That, that's They need a mother. Yeah, he said Max wanted, basically wanted her, and he tried to chain, get her boys in with them. So that they would, they could join families. And... Yeah. Now, but here's my question. It's expressed earlier that Star was supposed to kill Michael. How would that have made him part of the family if he was dead? I don't know. Maybe David and them had a other agenda mm-hmm. in mind yeah. outside of what Max was doing because this right. kind of conflicts with what Max is saying right. here. Because it sounded like Max wanted Michael and Sam to be part of family, like, mm-hmm. you know, joining his boys. So I don't know. I, that was just made me wonder, did David have another agenda that we didn't hear about in this movie? Or did he? was that how he was going to bring them in the family? David and them switched him. Yeah, I don't know. They just almost made it out that like only way Star was going to become a full vampire was if she killed, killed Michael, Michael. Like killed him. Oh, yeah. Like dead. So I don't know. I, it just That's kind yeah. of a little hole in the plot. But, you know, it was basically like, you know, Max says, you know, we're just going to be a big happy family. Mm-hmm. My boys and your boys. Your boys, yeah. And then it was like, oh, great, the blood-sucking Brady Bunch. <laughs> and then Max vamps out and he says, well, you know, I still want you. Want you, Lucy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. And then the Frog Brothers basically attack Sam. Sam. Or, or no, attack Max. Mark, uh, Michael, and Star run at him. Yeah, everybody attacks Max, and Max is just too strong for him. He yeah. just throws them off like they're nothing. You know, there's nothing to this at all. He's got them, and he's got it taken care of. Mm-hmm. And sh- and Max has Sam in his arm and basically says, come to me, Lucy, or I'll kill him. And then Ms. Emerson just, like, closes her eyes, like, okay, you know, like, just mm-hmm. don't hurt him. And then about this time, you know, Max is about to bite her on the neck. And then yeah. all of a sudden we hear Grandpa's truck pulling up. And it has a significant horn. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, he something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like driving. It's almost like he's driving pretty fast. Yeah. And he hits his fence that mm-hmm. he was putting up earlier with all those stakes in it. Yeah, and it shoots one of them through the... Yeah, and as he's driving up into 
he's basically driving up into his house in a way. And then one of the stakes flies through and Max is just standing there and one of the stakes comes through and flies into the house and hits Max dead in the chest. Yeah, just stabbed him. And Max flies through the room into the fireplace. Mm-hmm. He's staked and then he blows up in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Now you say he blows up too. Yeah. David didn't. I don't know. But I'll get into that in a little yeah. bit, what I heard was going to happen. Grandpa basically saved the day. You know, then Michael and Star are there. Michael looks normal. And Star says, that's, I've, I've, you know. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. She feels yeah. different. And Michael, yeah. of course, doesn't like a vampire now. Mm-hmm. And he's he's fine. And Laddie runs down and he's fine. Yeah, he's fine yeah. too. And then Grandpa just gets out of his car and he's walking. And then the family's not looking like, Grandpa, are you okay? This scene made me worry. Yeah, I did too. I was like, oh God, <laughs> is he a vampire? going to turn around and be a vampire. I did too. First time I seen <laughs> like this. he was the head vampire. Yeah, I, was, I thought the same thing you did. And then Grandpa walks over to his refrigerator where his uh, root beer and his uh, double uh, Stuffed Oreos. Oreos are. And he just pops open a root beer and drinks it. And then he says, uh, there's one thing about Santa Carla I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. All the damn vampires. He knew the whole time. Yeah, he knew the whole time. <laughs> and then the family's just looking at him like bewildered. And then fade to black. And that is the end of The Lost Boys. Yep. A very good film. Very good film. What does this say? A group of surf, let's see, the lobby cave. Places deserted, camera prowls. Then one by one, kids begin to arrive. At first, we don't recognize them, but then we realize they are the runaways who Lucy gave food to. Maria from the video store, a couple of surf Nazis, and perhaps others. They they are here to take up where the Lost Boys left off. Hmm. Cameras push past them toward the old mural painted on the lobby wall. The, The mural depicts a typical day on the boardwalk in the year 1900. Cameras move closer and closer to the mural and holds tight on one painted figure in particular, a man in a straw hat. He's grinning broadly, and he's most definitely Max. That, that, wasn't definitely, yeah. that was definitely not in the movie. That was definitely yeah. not in the movie. No. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that must have been, that would have been an interesting little tag to see on the movie yeah. just to show how long he'd been around. But, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, no, that definitely wasn't in the movie. That sounds like that would have been a cool little scene to see. But okay, I guess we will jump into some uh, behind the scenes and trivia. Do you want me to go first or do you want to? Um, I can do some, I guess. Sure. Let's see. Oh, Lord. You going first. I got clicked off on my thing. Okay. Um, well, what I got here is this movie was released on July 31st, 1987. The budget of the film was $8 million and it grossed uh, $32 million, which for back in the day like that, that's not a bad haul. And this movie was originally intended to be directed by Lethal Weapon and Superman, the movie director, Richard Donner. Now, this film, uh, at first, under him, was going to be basically the Goonies with vampires. Because mm. you remember when you kept talking about how Sam was supposed to be 11? Yeah. Okay, the vampires in this movie were only going to be 13 to 14 years wow. old. That makes sense. So that's what the original approach to this movie yeah. was going to be. But then um, after they tried to get a script developed, it just never did quite work that way. And then Richard Donner dropped out. And that's when Joel Schumacher stepped in. And he wanted to up the ages on the kids to maybe late teens, early 20s. You know, and make the film a little bit more geared toward the teen, you know, high schooler, early, you know, young adult market. 
And they, you know, went on to develop the new script for Mare. Jason Patrick turned this film down many times. Really? Many times. But Schumacher just kept coming to him with it because he just said, he's Michael. He's the one I want. Mm -hmm. And he finally told Patrick, he said, hey, come on in on this. I want you to help me develop your character. He said, you will have free reign to say what we can do with this character Mm -hmm. and everything. And I think that finally convinced Patrick, said, okay, I'll come in. I'll join. And basically, it's not only Jason Patrick, but the cast themselves had a lot of creative input in what their characters wore and how they acted. And even, uh, I remember listening to a podcast with Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick about maybe six months ago or so. And they were talking about this movie. And Kiefer Sutherland actually gave Jason Patrick credit for helping shape the script into what it is. Wow. Because he said Patrick was one of them that was very instrumental, said, no, we should do this. We should do this. We should do this. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Obviously, I th- it worked. Yeah, I mean, Jason Patrick sounds like he had a little bit more say in the script than, you know, what most actors do. There was a point in the shooting where Sutherland broke his right wrist during the motorcycle accident i think he was doing wheelies or something and he fell off his motorcycle and broke his right wrist and they said after that he had to wear the gloves through the whole shoot to cover the cast Mm -hmm. and they had to actually make a motorcycle with a left-handed i guess what you saw call it um oh lord to basically why am i not thinking of that word now (laughs) keep the motorcycle running why can't i think of that word now? (laughs) idle yeah yeah to keep it going basically Oh. Yeah, but, you know, he had to uh, do that. They had to make a special motorcycle for him so oh, wow. he could do that. Hmm. Okay, and now here's where we're going to get into some of this other stuff on this. There was originally, and I read this years ago, but I haven't been able to find it again. There was a sequel to this that they were planning called The Lost Girls. Oh. What was going to happen is you found out why David didn't blow up he lived he lived but he was only he was still had the vampire blood in him but he wasn't a vampire anymore oh so he creates these new vampires from girls wow and i think what this thing is is basically he uses these girls and they're going to go after the frog brothers and sam and he's almost like the max character from this that would have been interesting yeah and i remember reading this a long time ago i don't remember all the specifics the Mm -hmm. ins and outs of it but that was what they were going to try to do with a sequel but for some reason it never got made it was going to be just it was going to be pretty much a direct sequel that picks up maybe about like a year after this one something like that i mean they did do a comic book sequel there's a graphic novel called the reign of frogs and it did have David in it, as it still as a vampire. But he had a new set of uh, vampires with him. It wasn't girls. And this was like a graphic novel. I never did read that. I wanted to read it, but I never did. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, to kind of wrap up my trivia, they did do the two sequels, that one called The Tribe. And I mm-hmm. can't remember what the third one was called. Uh, I want to say it's called The Thirst or something like that, and I can't remember now. It's like I said, I can't recommend... The second one, because I don't really like it that much. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, is the head vampire in that movie's Kiefer Sutherland's um, nephew, I think. 
Mm. He's related to Kiefer Sutherland, but I can't remember by how. It is. It does have characters that are related to characters from the original. Edgar Frog is in the movie very briefly there toward the end of it. But the third one, I would say, is an okay watch. Mm-hmm. It's not great, but if you go in with your expectations in check, you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But don't go in expecting anything great. And don't expect it to be as good as the first one because right. it's not. You know, I did want to kind of get some stuff about the sequels out of the way. And that's uh, pretty much right there. That's my trivia on this movie. Uh, what do you have going on? This is Corey Haim and Corey Feldman's first film together, which marked the start of a popular 80s trend, The Two Coreys, in which Feldman and Haim starred together in a number of teenage films. Yeah, they, they were in a number of films Lots. together. Uh, Santa Cruz, where Santa Carla takes place, was once plagued with the reputation of being the murder capital of the world because of a series of very brutal murders by three different very disturbed men in the early 70s. Because of John Lindley, Fraser, Herbert Mullen, and Edmund Kemper, Santa Cruz endured 28 murders over a 30-month period between 1970 to 1973. Hmm. This movie was filmed in only three weeks. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, yeah. that's a quick turnaround. Uh-huh. In the documentary Blood Sucking Cinema, 2007, Corey Haim said that all the blood had glitter in it to give it a shimmering effect and was slimier than other fake blood. I could actually see that mm-hmm. now you mentioned that because when they staked uh, uh, Marco mm-hmm. up there, it definitely looked like it had more of a gel kind of consistency to it. Gerald McMahon wrote the theme song Cry Little Sister, to the movie after only reading the script and without ever seeing a frame of the film. That's interesting because that song fits that movie pretty well. Several thousand local residents answered the casting call for family types, street people, punk, surfers, roller skaters, and one brain-dead hippie. Some 2,000 of the applicants were signed for several nights' work on that, on what was the largest film production ever brought to the area at that time. Corey Haim later characterized his experience on this shoot as one of the greatest personal times in my life. Well, that's the general consensus mm-hmm. I've heard from a number of people. I know Kiefer Sutherland's talked about this movie, and he says it was one of the most fun shooting times he's had on a movie. So I could see that. This is from Joel Schumacher. When asked why he did the film, he said vampires are hot. They're the only erotic monsters. Frankenstein is not hot. Well, that's a given. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the name of the Frog Brothers, Edgar and Allen, are a reference to Edgar Allan Poe, the well-known writer of horror fiction. I didn't even Edgar think and about, Allen. I never thought about that till just now. <laughs> I, yeah, I can see that. I never thought about that. Jamie Kurtz was actually recommended by J- Jason Patrick. Joel Schumacher was originally looking for a blonde. They had both previously starred in Solar Bar Babes, Babies, 1986, and is probably the reason why he recommended her. Yeah, because Joel Schumacher originally wanted somebody like Meg Ryan Mm -hmm. for that part. Keith Sullivan was originally reluctant to star in the film until he heard that Joel Schumacher had lined up in excess and Jimmy Barnes to sing some of the songs on the soundtrack. Kiefer had spent a summer in Australia when he was a child and became fans of their music. Yeah. (laughs) Characters in the movie say the name Michael approximately 118 times. (laughs) I could see that. That sounds about right. Yeah. Keith Sullivan's role as David, being one of the lead cast members, had the fewest lines among all leading and support cast members. At the same time, he had the most dialogue among the four vampire Lost Boys. 
Yeah, I mean... It I doesn't was, talk much. That was pointed out to me, and it didn't dawn on me until I thought back on the movie. And yeah, he doesn't... For somebody who's like a lead, he doesn't have a lot of actual lines. No. Yeah. Let's just do one. Jim Carrey was considered for the role of David. Mm. He pre- he previously portrayed a, portrayed a vampire in the film Once Bitten. Yeah, I remember him in that movie. I don't think that would have went over. Well, he doesn't have that charisma, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I see. That is kind of strange. I never would have thought of him for that part. I think that's all I'm going to do. Is that all true yeah. you're going to go with? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, well, I mean, like I said, I'm pretty much uh, done with mine. So I guess uh, what we will go into is our final thoughts on the movie. Do you mm-hmm. want to go first? I enjoyed revisiting this one yeah. again. I mean, I watched it a lot as a kid. I haven't watched it as much as an adult. We watched it all the time because I love the Corys. And I kind of was in love with Michael. Yeah. I, I got crushes at a very early age when I was little. Oh, well, yeah. Well, we all did. <laughs> I, I had my share back I thought day. he was so cute. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not the only one. <laughs> Trust me, after I seen this movie in the theaters at school that following Monday, all the girls were talking. That long, curly hair. They were talking about him and Kiefer Sullivan. Kiefer Sullivan. They, those were the two I kept hearing about. If I had to choose between any of them in this movie, yeah. it would be Billy Worth. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I always thought he was so amazing to look at. Yeah. As soon as we started talking about doing this podcast, I knew this one was going to be on my list. Oh, yeah. I just, I didn't know how soon I was going to do it in 2022, but I was like, you know, we haven't done anything vampire hardly yet. So, you know, I was going to, that was the first one that popped in my head because I love the way the vampire, their take on the vampires in this movie where you never see them flying ever. It's just kind of like a, makes it more creepy and. Yeah. It sounds like bats. Yeah. 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 They're more like, and they hang like bats Mm -hmm. when they're in their cave and. I just like that, you know, the music in the movie. Well, you said something about the, the you don't see them flying. It makes me wonder if, I mean, in some ways I'm glad they didn't yeah, show it because I think it, it might look bad. But I think yeah. your imagination on what it would look mm-hmm. like plays better than what it would right. look like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go on. Yeah, I agree with that. Because, I mean, you kind of follow David, I mean, Michael through his kind of becoming a vampire but it never really showed him fly until he fought with David. Yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. He just was kind of like, what's going on? He's just kind of floating everywhere. Yeah, because he didn't have no control of what <laughs> yeah, was Yeah, I guess they've been vampires for a very long time. They've learned yeah. all the benefits of, mm-hmm. of being a vampire. Um, I've enjoyed, you know, kind of getting to do a podcast on this one. Because it's, it's one of my favorite vampire movies. Yeah, well, I mean... Yeah, I could. I mean, you're not the only one I've heard say that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, going back to when I was a kid, that Monday going back to school, mm-hmm. everybody talk, was talking about this movie. I mean, I still remember it very vividly. This was the talk of my school that yeah. Monday morning because everybody seen this. If they didn't see it that Friday night, they seen it over the weekend and everybody mm-hmm. was talking about how much they loved it. Yeah. So this was a very popular movie. I, I loved it. Yeah. I, I mean, always will. Yeah, I mean, do you have any other things nope, to say? that's about? it. Okay, I guess what we'll do here is, I guess, one out of ten water guns with holy water in it. <laughs> uh, what would be your overall number rating? Nine. Right A nine? I oh, love this yeah, movie. Yeah, high numbers there. High numbers. Because there's nothing about it that I don't like. I mean, I can completely understand I that. I just, it flows, like it, it moves really quickly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
Like there's never a part that's boring. Yeah, it just keeps you engaged. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So nine. Nine. Okay. Well, my thoughts on this aren't going to stray too far from yours in a lot of ways. Um, this is just like I said, this is a film I have a lot of memories of, you know, as I've already spoke about already. I mean, I already said I had the Lost Boys poster in my room. <laughs> I had the novelization, which had a lot of different stuff in it than the movie did. And I still wish I had that novelization. And I don't know, this movie, it works. I mean, it has its plot holes and everything. It's little issues to it, but what movie does it? <laughs> and I think it's directed really well. Joel Schumacher, says I said, as a director, he's had his hits and misses. But this one right here, visually and everything, he knocked it out of the park with this one because mm-hmm. the film looks really good across the board visually. And this atmosphere feels right for the movie. And mm-hmm. it feels like a movie, if you were my age at the time watching this movie or a young person at the time watching this movie, this is a movie you would totally just get me into. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, if you weren't into it, I don't know, I always just felt like something was wrong with you because this was just like one of those movies that you couldn't help but not like in yeah. some degree. And the film, the acting is solid all the way around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of anybody who I would say had a bad performance in it. Mm-hmm. I think everybody did their job pretty well. I mean, Corey Feldman was channeling Sylvester Stallone in the movie, which he even admits because <laughs> he said Rambo was big at the time. And he said, that's the way he portrayed Edgar Frog. He said, I'm going to just play him like Rambo. <laughs> yeah. And if you listen to his voice, he's doing that cadence of he Stallone as Rambo. He has that black, he- black headband on. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Corey Haim, great in it. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Patrick. Everybody across the board was just really good in this movie. Corey Haim and the grandpa were kind of the comedic yeah characters yeah they 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 definitely were even mm-hmm. though everybody kind of had a little uh, most of the characters had kind of a comedic moment yeah. but yeah those in particular were mm-hmm. the main ones i liked in this movie how they kind of gave you a backstory on it but not so much where it just kind of felt like it took the mystery out of it because you never knew where david and all them came from you how long did that Max created them? Yeah, but you don't know how long had they been vampires? A year? Well, five he'd, years, a, he'd at years? least been since 1900. Yeah, and for all you know, David could have been around at least that long. Yeah. Or some of them been out, you know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I kind of like about it. It kind of leaves that little bit of mystery for you and it makes you want to know more in some ways, but it doesn't give it to you. And I love how this movie moves. This movie moves at a nice, steady clip. It doesn't move too fast, but it has a good pace to it. Where it doesn't feel like you're just jumping from here, here, and here, and you're like, whoa, 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 slow down. Yeah. It just kind of keeps things humming. And I'm going to go into the soundtrack of this movie, which I completely love. I own awesome. this soundtrack. I, this is, I, there used to be these things called uh, cassette tapes <laughs> back in the day. And I bought this soundtrack. That weekend, the movie came out. Because I remember watching the movie that Friday night, going to see it again Saturday. We used to have this music store in town. I think it was called Poco. (laughs) And I went there and bought the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And I literally played that cassette tape till it couldn't play anymore. I can imagine when I start doing this, the editing, that I'm going to have a really hard time picking my songs. Yeah. 
I mean, I can understand that because I love this it's, soundtrack to yeah. this movie. I mean, and it amazed me to hear when you said that song, Cry Little Sister, mm-hmm. the guy... Wrote it without even seeing the movie. Without seeing a frame of footage yeah. from this movie. That's mind-blowing it to me. It fits. Yeah, that's mind-blowing to me. I don't know. This is a movie... I, we was talking about this a little bit early on in the podcast, and I'm very scared of them doing remakes of this. The little kids that they've chosen. Yeah. Wow. One of them's the little kid from It. Oh. Bill. Yeah. Oh. He's one of them. Oh. oh. So. Can, can you hear the worry in my voice? So everybody, <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that little kid was okay in It, but I, I just, I don't know. I just don't like when they come in and they try to remake classics that you love. It's just like, you're ruining something I love. Well, here's, I guess here's where my problem always kind of comes in. I can forgive when you're adapting a book again and again, because books can be adapted in a number of different ways because a book is more of a personal experience. And what, let's say you were to read a book and I were to read the same book. We might see it in two different ways yep. because we're going to visualize it differently. Or more might stand out to me than it does to you. Yeah. But a movie is already a visual thing. Yeah. So everybody's going to see it the same way, mm-hmm. pretty much. And to me, when you go into remaking a movie, it's like you're diluting it to yeah. me. And I don't know. I just, I never, I'm just not a huge fan of the remake idea because they was even going to do a TV series of Lost Boys. And I think it kind of fell through. And now they're talking yeah. about doing that movie the again. The movie. And I think it's happening. Oh, God. <laughs> I just do not want that. I, I see at least 10 posts a week about a remake bashing the pictures of the characters that they're. It's like, no. Oh. <laughs> and that, that just that disappoints me so much. I mean, it's just. I mean, not to get to, to bash those actors or anything, but it's just like, it's hard to believe that somebody can come in and do better than this movie ever was, you know? Yeah. Without just, ruining your memories. They just, I mean, there's just certain movies I've just always said, don't touch it. Don't touch them. Just let it let right. it be what it is. That's one of them. Yeah, and that's yeah. There you go. This is one of them. Just leave it alone because it's a good movie. It's a good time capsule of that time period. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a movie. In all honesty, I know they don't really do this kind of thing anymore. But I remember back, particularly when I was a kid, and even somewhat into my early twenties, they used to do midnight movies in movie theaters, like on Friday mm-hmm. nights and Saturday yeah, good nights. One. And, you know, they would play cult movies and obscure movies. And I think this one would be one that if they were to start doing that again and they were, say, do a run, say, Friday Night Lost Boys at midnight, I bet you this movie would pull in people coming in to see this on the big screen. Oh, yeah. You know, I think people would be willing to revisit this one. But I don't know. I mean, it's like I said, I'm kind of like you. I don't really have... Much of any negatives to say about this movie. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there trying to think of something. That, I mean, you brought out. up the scenes that, like, when Star came in without being invited. You yeah. just have to let those things Yeah, slide. and the whole thing about where David was going to kill Michael, right. have Star kill Michael, but Max was wanting him to, to join be, up with the family. Right. So, yeah, I mean, those are little plot holes that yeah, I can overlook that kind of stuff. You almost of, think maybe David was jealous that be. Michael might take his spot. Could be. Yeah. I mean, you never really know. I mean, it's like I said, that kind of stuff is just left vague. But, you know, I can overlook that because, like I said, there's no such thing as a perfect movie. I've never seen one. No. And I probably never will see one. 
But, you know, it's like I said, I'm kind of like you on this. I can't find mm. really anything that just jumps out at me like, oh, God, that's terrible. Because, you know, I think it's like like a daunting thought to think about taking, okay, we're going to do a vampire movie, but how are we going to be unique yeah. in the vampire kind of how every movie portrays a vampire? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you do your own unique thing? Well, and I think this one did. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Schumacher apparently had a pretty solid vision for mm-hmm. the way he wanted this film to be and to look. And, of course, Jason Patrick, they said that he definitely had some good ideas and some say in the script to kind of his ideas and Joel Schumacher's ideas kind of gelled right. together pretty right. well. And this is what we got from it. It's like I said, I can't really find any negatives, uh, much of any negatives to say outside of some little nit plot nitpicks here and there i'm gonna almost have to go with your rating on this i'm gonna go with a nine on this one because i don't know i just this is a movie that's always fun to watch again whenever Mm -hmm. i do and it's one of the movies that i always forget how good it is until i do watch it again yep you know because i think i'd watch this film again before we did it for the podcast, I'd watched a film maybe a few years ago, three yeah. or four years ago. And, you it, know, we only watched this one one time because we both know it so well. We felt comfortable. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, I pretty much know this movie yeah. by heart nearly. So this wasn't a difficult one for me. But, yeah, like I said, I guess I'm on. Yeah, I'm going to go with that nine. Just like you, this is going to be a nine for me because this is just highly entertaining. Movie. I think that's the first time we've ever had the same score in it. I think you might be right. We've, we've, been, we've been very we've been very close. We've yeah. been maybe like a point apart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think this is the first time we've actually had the same number. But yeah, I mean, this is just one. Love it. If Yeah, if you haven't watched it recently, or it's been a while, or yeah, pick it up it's and so revisit. Good. It's so much fun. So good. So good. But I guess now we're going to go into our little final segment of the podcast. And we're going to... These, I don't know, do we want to call these our top five favorite? I wasn't really going to go with that. These are more of top five recommendations for yeah. vampire mm-hmm. movies because it was hard for me to pick favorites here, but I yeah. wanted to throw out maybe you pick five vampire movies and I pick five I kind of stacked them like my highest preference to lowest. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm not going to call mine like these are my top five favorite yeah. ever. Yeah. But these are top five. Say, if you're watching The Lost Boys one night and you're saying, hey, I want to do a little vampire, another vampire movie mm-hmm. tonight, a little double feature. Right. Maybe I can throw this movie right. in there with it. And if we weren't doing um, Lost Boys, Lost Boys would have been my number one on this list. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let uh, Sherry start with hers and she'll give you a title and maybe just give you a little idea of what the movie's about. And okay. We'll go from there. Um. I, my number one is 1970 House of Dark Shadows. Ooh, yeah. Because I am a huge fan of Dark Shadows. Yeah. Um, ever since I was little, my mom watched it. Mm-hmm. She passed her love to me. Mm-hmm. I never watched the whole... I mean, I'm still watching it now because, you know, we have the coffin set and we're still mm-hmm. going through it. Yeah. And I'm watching it on Tubi um, and I'm kind of in the past the dream sequence. Dream curse. The dream curse. Yeah. <laughs> but this was just kind of like a spinoff where they did a movie from Dark Shadows. Yeah. Um, it's not not like the storyline of Dark Shadows. Some of it here and there, 
the characters are the same. Yeah. The story's a little bit different. Yeah, basically, yeah, that movie, what they tried to do is take the first year of Dark Shadows mm-hmm. and condense it into a 90-minute movie. And this would be go along with who is my favorite vampire, and it would be Barnabas. No, I didn't know that. Yes. That's your favorite yes. vampire. And not, you know not Jason Patrick, no. not Kiefer Sutherland. No, it's Barnabas, you know, and that's weird because he's not your classic handsome but no. there is something about that man. He's yeah. just mesmerizing yeah. to watch. And, you know, I my mom was in love with him, and I she just passed her obsession on to me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Barnabas is my favorite. Oh, did you have anything else you just want to no, say about that's it. Okay. That's well, I mean, what I'm going to say about that movie is, is I don't want to go too deep into the movie because yeah. I know we're going to do a podcast on this one at some point down yeah. the road. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to get too deep into this, mm-hmm. but I can't fault you how much. Because you know, we are both huge fans of Dark Shadows. Yeah. We sit on the couch and just can watch it all day. Oh, I could. You just turn it on and you just watch it. Yeah. If somebody let me, I would just, <laughs> just sit there. Sit. Yeah, I would sit there and burn my retinas out watching it. <laughs> But, I mean, I'm not going to get into too much of what I think about it outside to say, yes, I love the movie. Mm -hmm. And this will be one that you will see on the podcast coming some point down in the near future. I can't fault you for what everything you said about this movie. I mean, I love the movie. Uh, Jonathan Fred is great as that character. Even though the Barnabas in the movie is a lot more evil, evil. than he is he's in the show. He's not the same. He's a little bit more of like when Barnabas first came into it. Yeah. yeah. Where he was just vicious. Mm. He grew a heart as he went on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they just kind of lightened him up. Yeah. A little. They didn't. I think that he didn't. They didn't intend for him to be there all that time. Yeah. So they couldn't keep him evil like that. Yeah. As many times as he beat Willie with a cane. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Dang. Yeah, like a daily beating at times. He beat him in that movie really bad. Yeah, he did. Like, dang, Barnabas, lighten up. Yeah. Like I said, I can't fault you for that pick. (laughs) I mean, that's such a, it's a very good movie. Uh, And like I said, that's one, like I said, we will probably be doing a podcast on that one here at some point. So, House of Dark Shadows reminds me of those old Italian. What it reminds me of is the old, it reminds me of the old Hammer yes. Dracula yeah. films like Christopher uh-huh. Lee and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It, it, Something the way the screen, the the picture looks, uh-huh. the way they film it, yeah, it looks very significant. Yeah, it's like a that. beautiful looking movie. Mm-hmm. But okay, so that's your that's five. Mm-hmm. Okay, my number five is a film called Count Dracula's Great Love oh. from 1973. This is a Paul Nashy film. Uh-huh. This is the only film where Paul Nashie played Dracula. Now, this is a different take on the material, of course, because Nashie's character doesn't start out as Dracula. He's Mm -hmm. another character entirely. But I'm not going to go into the plot too deeply on this movie because this is a movie that kind of had a troubled production and some of the plot elements don't hold up that well (laughs) together. But the one reason I recommend this film is because... It's, of course, I love Euro horror films like this. Mm-hmm. You know, the Paul Nashie ones in particular. I love like his uh, Wildemar Donetsky films. And uh, he did a, a film, of the a, a mummy film, which I really like. And this one right here, the reason I recommend this film is because the atmosphere of this film is just beautifully photographed. Kind of got that Nashie romantic element in it, too that works really well for it. But like I said, this is a film, I don't really want to go into it too much because I would prefer people to just kind of watch this cold. Where can they get it? 
It's on Blu-ray. Blu-ray? Yeah, okay. it's on Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome. They have it out right now. It's a great looking Blu-ray. But it's just one of those films that's just a feast for the eyes. You know, the plot is almost inconsequential in some mm-hmm. ways. Now, if you're watching this kind of movie for a plot, don't bother. But if you just want to watch something that's just visually beautiful, this is kind of one to go well for. Mm-hmm. This is not one of his more popular films, I think, just due to the production problems and everything, because they had to start and restart this film a few times due to, what was it? There was water poisoning on the set due to bad water. I think it was something along those uh-huh. lines. Just certain things like that that went mm-hmm. on, and they had to shut down production and restart it later. This is one I would say, if you're interested in trying something different, and if you've never watched like a European horror film, a vampire film, I'd say try to give this one a go. This one would be an interesting pairing with Lost Boys just because it's a vampire film, but it's a very different take. So I think this one would be an interesting one to pick up if you, you know, like I said, the Blu-ray is easy to find. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a difficult one to pick up, but I'd say one to check out. Uh, but that would be uh, my number five. And uh, what would be your number four? 1992's, well, I, this is my number two. Okay, yeah, that's I'm going a dang, from they favorite gotta, down. Yeah, they ain't got to be any um, order. 1992's Bra- Bram Stoker's Fa- Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I, actually, I was going to put that down too. Yeah. you said it yourself. I just love, I think this is really sexy. The The scenes between them are really romantic and sexy. And Yeah, I won't get, I'll get into some of that <laughs> while you're, yeah, I'll go right ahead. Um, I haven't seen this one in a long time, but it trips me out the guy with the bun head. <laughs> yeah, the vampire. Gary Oldman. Yeah. 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 This is one of my favorites. But I just remember the being so drawn to the scenes between him and her. Because I always loved Ronald Ryder. I mean, she kind of was in my time, you know. Yeah. Lots of people didn't like her in this movie. No, I think more people had a problem with Keanu Reeves. Oh, really? In the movie. And her. I mean, I heard some people complain about her, but it was more Keanu Reeves. They said he just didn't fit that time period. He probably didn't. You can't, like, you have to leave him alone. He's, like, one of the best pe- human beings in this world. Yeah. Like, li- leave him alone. Yeah. Understandable. <laughs> that, yeah, that's all I have to Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, I was going to pick this one if you didn't because... I really enjoy this movie. I think it's another movie that's got its flaws to it. Mm, namely, I think it's shot beautifully. Yeah, the Keanu Reeves thing. But this is another one that falls into the Count Dracula's Great Love thing. Is that yeah. visually it's just a beautiful, beautiful. movie to look yeah. at. It's a film, I think, if my memory is correct, for the most part, is shot on stages. Mm-hmm. It's not shot outdoors in any way from what I remember. Yeah. Like very theatrical looking. Yeah. And- that's uh, one thing about this movie that always sticks out to me is like anytime I'm watching it, I'm to the, I'm to the point I'm not paying attention to the plot of it. I'm just mm-hmm. watching just uh, yeah visuals of it because mm-hmm. it's so beautiful to look at. I yeah. love the set design. I love the costuming of mm-hmm. this movie. There was a book I wanted to buy. And I never could get a hold of it before it went out of print. And now it's like so expensive, I can't get it. It was a book on the costuming of this movie. I the, loved her dresses. Yeah, like the, the, all the... Yeah, even all his the, outfits. Yeah, yeah, all of the outfits in the mm-hmm. movie. Because it's from this Japanese uh, yeah. um, artist who made uh, the clothing. And I thought just even that was fascinating to look at. I can say that this is 
probably one of my favorites too. And like I say, if you wouldn't have picked it, I would have. I don't think the film is, it's another one I don't think is perfect. No. But I think just to look at this movie is something that I don't really think you'll see it again. Yeah. Because it was done practical effects. This was right before CGI really started mm-hmm. taking a hold on things. Yeah. I don't know. Just It's just such a beautiful Every once in a while, I have to change my Facebook cover page to the scene where he's kissing her. Yeah. It's so sexy. Yeah. Um, and what was the whole thing? I remember Gary Oldman, or when Nona Ryder says she was very scared of him throughout the shoot of this Really? Movie. I don't know. He's, I think he always said he didn't understand why, but he said he might have been a little off at the time because he was going through a divorce. Oh. So she said maybe she got that vibe off of him that he was not. <laughs> He's going to bite me. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I don't know. He, yeah, like I said, I mean, we could almost do a podcast on this movie yeah. at some point because I'm there's a lot down, of, way down the line. Yeah, because it's a, it's a great movie to talk about. But I don't know. So that's uh, that's uh-huh. that one for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to go into my fourth one, and like I said, mine aren't in no real particular order. But my fourth movie is going to be Blackula from 1972. <laughs> yeah. You might hear the title to this movie, and if you've never seen it, you think, okay, this is a comedy. Yeah, no. No, it's not. It's a really... It's, it's played straight. Scary scenes in it. it. It's, yeah, it's played straight. Yeah, it yeah. does have some very scary scenes in it. There's one scene in particular, it's like a slow motion vampire attack mm-hmm. that's very kind of unsettling. Mm-hmm. This is one that kind of falls into that pattern where you was talking about Barnabas. And this is the vampire, very similar. This is the sympathetic vampire yeah. who doesn't want to be a vampire. And the vampire, of course, what is on Dark Shadows? Barnabas has his Josette. This movie, the vampire in this lost his wife. And then, of course, he's brought back in 1972. And he comes across a woman who looks just looks like, like his wife. wife yeah. And he wants to be with her. And he won't turn her. He says, I will not turn you. I don't want you to become like me. I just want to be with you. And it's just such a good movie. Yeah. It's just a very good movie. It's like, I guess, what they call back in the day the black exploitation. And it's just very well made. It's a low budget film, very well made. The lead in it, uh, William Marshall, who plays uh, Count Marmawande, uh, or AKA Blackula. He is so good, and he has this just like very booming, smooth voice to him, and mm-hmm. he is so good in this movie. I just this is another one I'm going to recommend. Look past the title. Mm-hmm. If this title makes you just like, oh god, this is going to be stupid. Look past the title, and just watch the movie, and you'll enjoy it. I mean, it's a quick paced movie. It only it's maybe ninety minutes all total. And it is well worth watching. I even enjoyed the sequel, Scream, Blackula Scream. It's a mm-hmm. pretty solid sequel. I mean, in all honesty, you could just do both of them as a double feature one night if you wanted to. <laughs> but like I said, Blackula comes highly recommended for me. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's another one. I think it's, um, I think you can find it on DVD now. I think the Blu-ray went out of print Tubi recently. got it. Tubi uh, has it Tubi? On? Yeah, I've seen it on one of them. Okay, yeah, Tubi, maybe Amazon Prime has it or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but like I said, if... Uh, you can stream it. Yeah, you can find it. I mean, but like I said, if you can... Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it for mm-hmm. me. And if... I mean, I don't... Have you ever watched it? Yeah. 
You have seen it? Mm-hmm, and you were watching it. Okay, I couldn't recall. I thought that you had watched it before, mm-hmm. or watched some of it anyway, but I could yeah. not remember. Like I said, that is my uh, number four. And I will pass it on to you to let you uh, give your number three. Um, my number three is 1992's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah, uh, yeah. Because Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for whatever reason, I related to a lot when I was younger. How I so? could relate to her. How so? Everybody kind of treated her like a cheerleader, but she was really tough. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of how I am. Everybody's like, you're such a Barbie. You're such this or whatever. But I'm so, you know how I am. Yeah. I'm just go balls in. You know, I, you know, I fight anybody for whatever I, you know, think I need to. I'm really tough. I don't, I will get my hands dirty. I will climb on this roof if I have to. Yeah. You know, I'll do whatever I have to. Like, you know, that's just who I am. And I really related to Buffy that she was a tough cheerleader. Yeah. But yet she was a vampire slayer on the side. I love the premise of this movie that she's a cheerleader, but she's also a slayer. Yeah. Well, I, I think that was concept of this movie. That was the whole point because what if, you know, if a vampire was chasing like this girl and, you know, she's running around scared to death and everything. Like, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Instead, she just turns around and beats the shit Stakes out of her. Stakes on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just love this movie's just funny. Yeah. But it's also got some serious scenes in it. And, you know, it's... I wish they had done more movies with her, you know? I but, mean, I love the show, too, but... The movie bombed really? in the I theater. Just, it, it did not make any money at all. I think it's just the time period. Yeah. The 90s was such a Cess- fickle time. A cesspool a lot of the time. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and I love that Luke Perry was in it. That's right. I forgot he was in that movie. I love me some Luke Perry. I forgot he was in that movie. (laughs) I I mean, I have to admit, I haven't actually watched a movie in a long time. Yeah, well, me either. It was on TV one day and I was watching it. Oh, God, how long is it? I want to say I haven't watched this movie in probably 15 to 20 years. So I don't remember a whole lot about it. I remember Mm -hmm. parts of it. But I remember I liked the movie. Because I'll never forget going to try to go see the movie one time, and I couldn't go because the print had a scratch on it, mm-hmm. and they couldn't show it. So wow. I had to go back uh, the next day, and they had a new one. I remember I enjoyed the movie. I will admit, though, I enjoyed the TV show more than I enjoyed the yeah. movie. Well, you got to delve in more into Buffy. Yeah, and it dug a little deeper. You had all things. these other surrounding characters that were... Yeah, yeah, and it kind of built a whole mm, a story. World. God, who had Rutger Hauer was in the movie. Pee Wee Herman was in the movie as a vampire. Yes, and um, Keith Sullivan's dad. Yeah, Keith Sullivan's dad was, was the, the trainer. Yeah, the trainer. That's right. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I almost <laughs> forgot he was in that. That's right. I mean, I need to watch this again at some point. Yeah, because, I'd love to do it on a podcast. Yeah, maybe we can at some point. Because like I said, I remember bits of this movie, mm-hmm. but I don't remember the whole thing. Yeah. And, but I do remember enjoying it a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember disliking it at all. I mean, I thought it was a lot of fun. Is it So that's your number mm-hmm. That's yeah. your number three. I'm a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, well, I can't fault you there. I understand that. Okay, and my number three is going to be... A film from 1970. And this is a film called Taste of Blood of Dracula. It is one of the Hammer films of Christopher Lee. Mm. Of Christopher Lee Dracula's. 
And the reason I picked this one is not that this is the best one or anything, but I love the idea of this movie, of the Victorian era, where you have these three holier-than-thou men mm-hmm. who act like, uh, you know, we're going out and doing things because we're good Christian men, and we're mm-hmm. good men, and we're doing these things for charities and things like that. And what do they do when they go out in the evenings? Go to brothels mm. and go to, I guess, even doing drugs of drugs at the time and everything. Wow. Basically, they're just going out for hedonistic good times. Right. And even though they act like they're just these upper class mm. great men. Figures. And then they run into this guy uh, played by Ralph Bates, who is another hammer actor. And this guy says, well, y'all tasted all these things that you wanted to. How about we try a little satanic or kind of a mass? And they say, well, we need to get one thing. Do y'all have the money and everything? Of course, like, yeah. And it goes and gets the blood of Dracula. It's like in a powdered thing. And Mm. they do this mass. But, of course, the guys get scared and beat the guy to death and everything. Mm. But not before, you know, they escape and then Dracula reappears to kill these men and he takes them out one at a time now the reason i like this movie like i said the plot doesn't make a lot of sense because i never understood why dracula even went after these guys why would he why would he want revenge for somebody he didn't even know for starters Hmm. but that's neither here nor there i always liked the movie because the whole hypocrisy of people like that where you even see religious people like Jimmy Swaggart mm-hmm. and all them that got uh, like you know they were just above everybody, above but they were just scum. Yeah, they're just scummy yeah. people. And I always like to watch that kind of thing in movies, and that and it kind of gave me a little bit of pleasure seeing Dracula take these guys out because in particular there was one of these men that had a little bit of a thing for his daughter oh, no. because he was like wanting he there was a point where she was like wanting to go out with her boyfriend or something and he was going to spank her and he seemed like he was going to enjoy that oh. a little too much so like i said when dracula was killing these people i was not opposed to it <laughs> you know and like i said this isn't the best of the dracula films mm-hmm. that were done at that time you know christopher lee you know, he did like, God, how many deals did he do? Like six or seven of them? I will say seven of them. This one had a, some interesting stuff in it, some interesting ideas. And if you like kind of Victorian era kind of stuff mm-hmm. and Dracula kind of put into that era, which mm-hmm. I did, this one is well worth a look because visually it's very beautiful to look at. And just kind of watching it from that stuff I was talking about, you know, all these men that are mm-hmm. at like their above everything Mm -hmm. and then they just turn out to be shits basically (laughs) you know but had you ever seen this one i know you've i don't think so okay i can't recall if you've ever watched any of these night ringing a bell (laughs) ringing a bell okay i couldn't recall if you've ever even seen any of the christopher lee dracula movies i it's not jumping out at me if you have i think i would remember a man that wanted to spank his daughter i'd be like string him up well yeah well it was (laughs) You know, you sit there and you're just looking at that and just how yeah. lecherous it kind of mm. came off. I was like, Because I even watched this movie when I was a kid. I seen it on TV and I even caught that. I was like, oh, that's a little <laughs> wrong. But yeah, that's my uh, third one right there. And like I said, that's one 
to just take a look at. Like I say, if you're interested in Victorian era mm-hmm. vampire movies, and if you've never really even watched any Hammer Dracula mm-hmm. movies, this one I could I could recommend Hammer Dracula movies all day. Yeah. But this one would be a good one to jump into just to you know to check yeah. out and get your feet wet. But like I said, I was uh, my third one there. And what do you have for your number two? Number four. Oh, 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 number four, yeah. 1922's Nosferatu. Oh, well, yeah. Because I'm a huge fan of silent films. Yeah, I love this one. And I thought that I wouldn't be as creeped with it being a silent film, but I was wrong. Visually, he's very scary. Count Orlock. Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while. I watched it on TV one night. Uh-huh. When you weren't here and I scared the shit out of myself. I think I actually remember you talking to me mm-hmm. about that when I came Them back in the next day. fingers he has and just... He kind of creeps me out like the one from Salem's Lot. Mm. <laughs> he looks, reminds me of him. Mr. Barlow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of silent films, so this one automatically is on my list. I mean, I can To be able to do a, a horror film that comes across scary and then never say a word is is really talented. Well, yeah. I mean, just the visuals. The visuals, This is yeah. a movie that really mm-hmm. kind of... Because yeah. silent... Film actors had to use other things to come across, you know, their eyes, their the way they move, and he was just creepy. Yeah, that makeup, yes. even now, still very impressive. Very creepy. Even to this day, is still impressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, me, I almost, thinking about it, 19, that movie came 22. out in 22, mm-hmm. and it's 2022. So that's 100 that's years old. The movie's 100 years old this you year. You can imagine it probably scared the shit out of people. Oh, I can imagine back mm-hmm. then. I can imagine what mm-hmm. audiences probably thought it is. Like I said, this is another movie. If you hadn't picked it up, I would have. Mm-hmm. This is one. It was made at the time. Bram Stoker's family was going sued them oh. to have all the prints destroyed. Wow. Because, you know, copyright infringement. Right. And they nearly did. Wow. But some of the film actually escape you know yeah. people can smuggle it out. yeah and thank god they did it's a masterpiece yes a masterpiece of a film and like you're saying i think the guy's name was max shrek who played uh mm-hmm. count orlock i mean yeah just the scenes of where he's just creeping going up the steps and you see his shadow but yeah. you see them long fingers yes. and everything <laughs> and i think there was just I love the scene of where he's like rising out of the coffin and he just like raises mm-hmm. up. I could just go on. This is, this falls into the category of films that I love. They're just feast for the eyes. Like Isn't Mr. Barlow, did. was he, was it done from Nosferatu? That's they, the they admitted, yeah. they admitted that that was where. Very it, eerily the same. Well, that was what the point was. They wanted to kind of do a, uh, a ode to that. Yeah. So that's where that came from. I even like the remake they mm-hmm. did of this back in yeah. 79 called Nosferatu the Vampire that was directed by Werner Herzog. It's a beautiful looking movie too. And as uh, Klaus Kinski is uh, Count Orlock. And it's just, oh, I love that movie so much. There was just scenes in that that were just very creepy and sad where like when that vampire comes in, it's almost like a plague comes yeah. to that town because mm-hmm. there's like, I think there's a scene where there's a family eating and you can see that they're sick, and there's just rats everywhere around them. Uh, and it's just like, I mean, it's just a horrifying movie to watch in that regard. Like I said, I can't fault you for this one because this one is very good. I could almost recommend you watch 
the, the original and the remake because they're both good. I mean, you can't go wrong with either or watch them both in a double bill. You know, I can't fault that. I mean, but like I said, I, if you hadn't picked it, I would have. But like I said, so is that all you got on yep. uh, Nosferatu? Mm-hmm. Okay, my number, I guess I'm going the different direction than you. I'm going, this is my second. And mine is going to be Fright Night from 1985. Yeah. Now, this is a movie, I guess you could almost describe it as Rear Window with a Vampire in a way because it's about this boy who's uh, with his girlfriend in this house one night and there's been some new people that move in and they're doing some odd stuff. You know, it's two guys. Then one night he's kind of looking out the window and there's a woman there and she's standing at the window and she's uh, kind of undressed. And then the guy walks up behind her and starts kissing her and all of a sudden he bears fangs and bites into her her. neck. And then Ah. the guy sees this and he's like, oh my God. And then the vampire looks out and sees him watching him. And mm-hmm. then he closed the window. Yeah. And then you hear a scream. And this boy's just like freaking out. Like, oh my God, there's a vampire. And of course, nobody believes him. So who does he go to? He goes to Cornelius himself, Roddy McDowell, <laughs> who plays a horror host uh, like Sven Gulli, except yeah. he's called Peter Vincent, mm-hmm. the famous vampire killer. Vampire killer, yeah. And what he does is tries to convince Peter Vincent that there's a vampire. And, of course, naturally, he doesn't believe it. And as time goes on, of course, things happen to where he realizes, hey, we are dealing with a vampire. And this is just a great 80s horror vampire movie. I love this movie so much. Mm-hmm. And this is another one. Like I said, I don't want to go too deep into this movie because I know I'm gonna probably want to do a podcast on it at some point. But this is one that's highly recommended to me. Mm-hmm. This would almost be a great double feature with Lost Boys because they both have a similar kind of humor, mm-hmm. horror vibe to them. Acting is great across the board on this. The sequel to this is decent, not great, yeah. but decent. Avoid the remake and avoid the sequel remake because mm-hmm. they both are terrible. <laughs> but... 1985 Lost or Lost or 1985's Fright Night is a good companion piece with the Lost Boys. Yeah. I mean, have you ever watched Fright Night? I have. You have seen it. Fright Night, for whatever reason, in my mind, I confused it with Nightbreed. I don't know why. Oh, the Clive Barker movie. When you wanted to dress up like yeah. that doctor, whatever. Doctor Decker. Doctor Decker. I, I, I was thinking of Night, like, uh, Fright Night. I don't know why in my mind I'm. Huh. Confuse them. Wow, that's very interesting. Those are two very different yes, movies. Yes, I know. Very different movies. <laughs> but you had seen Friday Night, though, yeah. right? Long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I don't want to go too very deep into the movie, but yeah, because mm-hmm. that's one I would like to do on the podcast at some point. So, mm-hmm. but like I said, that's uh, my second one. And I guess we will go with uh, what is the last one on your list? Um, 1986 Vamp. Grace Jones. Creepy. Grace Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I liked, I mean, it's been forever since I've seen this. Probably in the 90s. Wow, really? Yeah, I just like it because it's that glamorous kind of 80s, the clothes in it. I remember her all her big shoulder pad shirts. and. The one thing, I've it's been a little while since I watched the movie, but one thing that really sticks out to me about the movie is I thought the special effects in that movie were really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and Grace Jones, you're right, was very, very creepy. creepy in the movie. 
But I know why they chose her, because she just had that mannerism about her that was perfect for that role. Yeah, um, and that's another movie that kind of had that uh, comedy kind of horror mm-hmm. mix to like it. Like cheesy a little bit. Yeah, and for some reason in the 80s, they were able to do that pretty mm-hmm. well. They were able to blend that. Yeah. Whereas opposed to movies I see nowadays that try it, they completely fall on their face. Do I don't understand <laughs> how that is. But it's always been, like I always, if, I always think of that one when you talk about vampires yeah because this is it's funny that you brought this up because i was actually i think this is out on blu-ray and i keep looking at this blu-ray because mm-hmm. it's out a few times and i'm very tempted to buy it because yeah. i keep seeing it i really enjoyed the movie a lot i have it on dvd but i'm trying to think of it even the last time i've watched a movie it's been a very long time for me I was, i'm having a hard time remembering some of it in it yeah it's been at least about five years for i remember me. her yeah. Well, I just I, I just know this is a movie. I remember going to the theater to see this one. Mm-hmm. This was a movie I remember a lot of people didn't like at the time, but then it kind of got popular as the years went on. It was one of those that just didn't really do that well. I guess maybe it just hit at the wrong time, but then mm-hmm. at this, this point in time went on, it, you know, it gained an audience. But yeah, I think now that you've talked about this one, I might have to try to pull this movie out and rewatch it again because I do remember enjoying it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's been, a, it's been, I know, at least five years since I've oh, seen yeah, it. Oh yeah, it's very 80s. <laughs> but yeah, this is, like I said, this is another film that would pair up with uh, Lost Boys pretty well, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, just the kind of blend of the comedy and kind of yeah. the horror stuff. But uh, so that's your number five. five yeah. Okay. Well, and I'm going to hit my last one right here. And my last one is the 1979 movie, Salem's Lot. Yeah. Now, this might be a cheat in some ways, because <laughs> this was a miniseries on TV. But the reason I included it is because it was released as a theatrical movie overseas. Mm-hmm. They just cut half of the movie out and put it out as a theatrical movie <laughs> yep. out over there. So that's why I thought, well, I can slide this in, because technically it did play in a theater. This is a movie, I'm going to go into some of it, but the thing about this movie is, is this is a movie that genuinely scared me to death when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I did not sleep well for days after <laughs> watching this movie because of the scratching on the windows. Mm. And of course, I lived in a house where there was trees around the windows and when the wind would blow, it would sound <laughs> like scratching on the window. Mm-hmm. The special effects are just great for a 79 TV movie. This was directed by Toby Hooper, who directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He did a bang-up job on this movie. For a TV movie, I'm shocked they got away with what they did in 1979. And what you were talking about, Mr. Barlow looking like Nosferatu, mm-hmm. I think they that was kind of what they were going for. I think... Uh, I think it was Toby Hooper. Somebody said that he loved how that looked, so mm-hmm. the look of that. So they kind of went a different way with Mr. Barlow and made him look like that. This is one that just has that genuine feel of like a vampire thing is a plague moving through a town and is slowly just taking everybody over. I've never seen this one. Yeah. I'm creeped to watch it because it always creeps you out. And I'm like, if something creeps you out, I know it's really going to get me. But I've always said, too... Is, you were young. I was a kid. Yeah. I watched this the first time. But I'm a wimp. I was not even 10 years old yet. I was probably seven years old when I watched this. <laughs> so needless to say, it's going to have that well, effect Well, it's on coming. Me. I know. I mean, yeah. Like I said, that's why I'm not going to go into it too deeply because I know this is one we will cover on the podcast mm-hmm. at some point. 
Not going to be able to avoid it forever. Now, like I said, now you might watch this and have a completely alternate take on it. You'll be mm -hmm. probably like, oh, this is just dumb as shit. <laughs> Which would, you know, like I said, I don't know what a modern eyes would look at this movie and say if a, if it's a good movie or not. Mm -hmm. I'm a, my, I'm a, uh, you know, mm -hmm. looking at it like through my eyes as a kid. Your little eyes. Yeah. But like I said, this is one I can highly recommend. In all honesty, I can't recommend the TV version unless you just want a condensed, quick version. Because basically, there's over an hour, I think over an hour to movie cut out. But really, it's easy to find on Blu-ray. You can find a miniseries on Blu-ray for around $10. Mm -hmm. It's relatively cheap and yeah. well worth picking up. Like I said, I don't want to go too heavily or too deep into this, but I'm going to say that's my number one. And while I'm here, just a quick honorable mention on my part will be from Dust Till Dawn from 1986. Oh, I didn't know we were doing that. I didn't even think about it either, but I had it written down here. <laughs> uh, just a quick thing. It's a movie that's uh, Robert Rodriguez directed, Quentin Tarantino wrote it. Half crime movie, half vampire movie. And did you ever see that one? No. No? Uh, this is one that's highly recommended. It's a good, fun, popcorn, comic book, horror movie, mm -hmm. action movie. Uh, well worth watching if you haven't seen it. There was two sequels done. Avoid those because they're <laughs> not any good, really. Yeah. I think there was a TV show done that I didn't really watch, so I don't have an opinion on that. But like I said, that's just a quick little honorable mention. I guess mine would be Interview with the Vampire. Oh, honorable mention for mm -hmm. you? Yeah. Love that movie. Yeah. Because I thought, I thought, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, Tom Cruise can't play Lestat, but he was awesome in that movie. Yeah. I remember when that whole thing mm -hmm. blew up at the time. Even Anne Rice yeah. was upset. He did so good, though. Yeah, because he did so good. Anne Rice, actually, after the movie came out, actually mm -hmm. put an apology yes. into like the newspaper mm -hmm. saying how wrong she yep. was on how good he was in the you movie. You can never say. Well, that's why I know. I think at that time, I, when I heard they cast Tom Cruise, I don't think it bothered me at the time. I thought it was... It odd. Was a, yeah, I thought it was an yeah. odd choice, but I was like, well, you know, I yeah. don't know. I mean, well, let's see what he does. I mean, I guess he I did just good. didn't really think about it. That's a, that, I mean, that's just a great adaptation of that book. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one, I mean, and they stayed pretty faithful to the book mm -hmm. by all accounts. Yeah. I haven't, and I haven't read that book in a long time, yeah. but I do remember it was pretty faithful to it. And everybody was so good in that movie, yeah. too. I think that was Kirsten Dunst. That mm -hmm. was one of she her early movies. first movie. That was her first movie? Yeah, okay. she was a little thing. Yeah, and I just loved how her character was just like as grown as a grown mm -hmm. turned into a grown woman in a child's yeah. body. And, yeah, she was like really good in that. And, I mean, everybody was. Uh, Antonia Banderas was uh, really good in it. You know, I was I was oh Brad well how did I forget Brad, him? Pitt, Brad yeah. Pitt was really good at how the hell did I forget him <laughs> but I can't blame you for picking that one I said that was that's just a solid movie I have to admit I wasn't a fan of the sequel to it that much no the Queen of the Damned oh, I love the soundtrack but I didn't like the movie yeah the movie just did not work I was always kind of disappointed that they never did a sequel with just Tom Cruise in it where it mm -hmm. kind of picked up because it was that yeah it was that yeah yeah. The Vampire Lestat. That's what I mm -hmm. thought they was going to do, but yeah. they never did it. But yeah, I mean, oh, that's a great little honorable mention, too. And that's mm -hmm. one that, if you haven't seen that film, one thing I recommend to you, 
Read the book first and then mm-hmm. see the movie. Yeah. Because the, they're both good. They're both yeah. well worth checking but out. But if you don't like reading, the, the movie follows pretty. Yeah. Or get the audio book. You know, listen to the audio book. <laughs> get your Kindle. Yeah. Get your, or get your Kindle out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, okay. Well, I guess that kind of wraps up that portion mm-hmm. of the podcast. And yeah. this is going to be wrapping up the podcast. Yeah. As always, thank you for listening to the show. Oh, yeah. very much appreciated. We love seeing the numbers we're getting. They're mm-hmm. steady numbers. And, yeah. and we're always happy when people are listening and apparently enjoying it because <laughs> people keep listening. Feel free to leave a comment on the Facebook page. You know, if you have any requests or you have any comments, please uh, drop them and let us know. Our email is themovieclinic at gmail.com. And it's T-H-A, not T-H-E, as far as the movie clinic. And just drop us a line there. Feel free to, you know, comments, questions, anything that you have. And the main website is themovieclinic.com. Yeah, and you can get our episodes there mm-hmm. and just, you know, and on most uh, podcast platforms out there. Yeah, I, I recently enabled the download on the website. I'm still learning all that. Oh. And I've figured out you could actually put a button to download the website. Oh, so you're still getting, yeah. Yeah, the, okay. po- the episode from the website. Oh, okay. Well, that's even better then yeah. because I know it seems like platforms I see that are very popular ones like Podbay and things like that because I know some, a lot of people talk to me they downloaded it off Podbay well, or places like that. Well, 80% of our listeners are listening to it on Anchor. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know it just seems like it's probably Anchor and it seems mm-hmm. like Podbay probably. There's a function on Anchor to download. I don't know if that people are just clicking on it or they're actually downloading it from that. It could be both. Yeah. It could I think be you either. just right click or something and yeah. it's there. Well, I said, I want to thank everyone who's been listening yeah. because we're really enjoying ourselves and we're really excited about what's coming. Yeah, we got a number of things coming up, uh, a variety of things as yep. usual. We got some interesting, we got a couple interesting ones for Halloween coming up uh, toward the end of the year. Those Mm -hmm. are going to be challenging ones to do in some ways. Yeah, we love the subject matter and we want to do so good at it. Yeah. We're worried a little bit about it. One of them I'm nervous about in particular because it's going to take a lot of work to get that one done. Across. Yeah, yeah, but I hope we do it. But anyway, it's like I said, uh, we appreciate everyone listening. And I guess I'm going to drop in on what our next episode will be. And our next episode is going to be another trip to the Planet of the Apes when we cover the 1970 film Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Uh, the uh, sequel that some people will say wasn't necessary. I might be one of those people, but despite that, I still really enjoyed the movie. <laughs> yep. And that will be our next go around here on the movie clinic. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess until we uh, talk to you again, I'm David. And I'm Sherry. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>